Hello and welcome to Watching Worst Films, your guide to Razzie history as we work our way back watching every Worst Picture winner. This year we are heading to 1996 and the little movie called Striptease. My name is Jericho Reed, and with me is Kyle Shemansky. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, so let's get straight into this. Mm. What was your history with striptease? Um, so I think I mentioned it on the previous episode. I have zero history. I, I'm, I have the poster ingrained in my brain from the video store that we always talk about. <laughs> of course, it was, but it was, yeah. It was like it was like that permanent, you know never rented it was always on the shelf it was always on a top shelf as well and i don't know oh that's peculiar i don't think the posters i don't want to say iconic you know it was always behind the beaded curtain um <laughs> yeah yeah no the poster is yeah, kind of like, iconic because it is completely unrepresentative of the 100 percent. um other than that i assumed it was i, I think i wrongly assumed as well the showgirls connection yeah. i expected showgirls so like yeah i'll get into that what about you what's your background pretty much exactly the same as you I was familiar with the publicity, I was familiar with the poster and the VHS box, and therein ended my knowledge mm -hmm. of the film. So I, to be honest, I, uh, yeah, I, I also expected Showgirls. I was like, this is a uniquely 90s artifact in terms of this is going to be like a sort of B-list thriller that is built solely around, hey, an A-list actor is naked. Yeah, I mean, that's so like my my sort of preconception going in was uh, it was going to be an erotic thriller, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Razzie territory. I expected basically Miss Congeniality um, mixed with Showgirls. Mm. A sort of like, and I kind of nailed it sort of um, with it. An FBI agent has to go undercover as a stripper was my sort of yeah. you know, guess this was going to happen. Fish to, out to, the water, kind of. Yeah. yeah, there's going to be something happening. And then it was going to basically just like veer into showgirls territory. That's not what I got, and that's not what I seen. E e yeah. I'm very surprised. <laughs> yeah, so um, what we got is infinitely more insane and interesting than uh, mm -hmm. what either of us imagined my thing so you were expecting miscongeniality i was expecting boogie nights of course everything is a paul <laughs> thomas anderson movie demi moore is the um the lead of striptease which we haven't mentioned until now but also the, the male lead is little jack horner himself burt reynolds so yeah. I was expecting something like he introduces her to the CD world of strip teasing. I was expecting montages as she learns how to strip tease. I was expecting that. I was expecting boogie nights, but she's Dirk Diggler essentially. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, see, that's that's high expectations for you. <laughs> <laughs> not quality. Not quality. Just in terms of structure. Um, and so um, alarm bells started started ringing for me. When I, so so uh, I'm in LA at the moment, and a friend Carrie was like, "Oh, what are you what are you doing?" I said, like, "Well, actually, I'm I'm watching the movie Striptease," and she was like, "I <laughs> I haven't heard of it. Can we watch the trailer?" And so I watched the trailer before watching this, which was oh. my first insight into the tone, and I'd never done that before with a Razzie with any of the mm -hmm. Razzie winners. I always just went in either knowing the film or completely cold. And it's a bit 90s trailer voice, but like yeah. 
the trailer shows you a lot of um a lot of the sort of high points and so already i was like how on earth are they gonna make this work this seems like but it's still kind of i could still kind of see my boogie nights thing working Mm -hmm. but the trailer does suggest there's a lot more sort of like all over the place comedic moments and then what i saw was the, the, the completely uh, unrepresented by the trailer because this movie is it fair to say so this is the first one due to the time difference that we haven't sort of watched side by side yeah we haven't discussed this one either for the first time so this is quite like new territory i, I enjoy that yeah is it fair to say that this is one of the most insane movies we've watched for the podcast um it, yes yes to <laughs> um and again Completely out of left field. It's one of those, I, I, I don't know which ones I could compare it to in their history. I didn't expect any of this. Insane. It, I didn't expect it to be as zany comedy as it was. So, yeah, I would say it's one of the more insane ones. And consistently insane as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> okay, so before we delve into it, let's just tackle some of the things about striptease. Let's just cross off some of the... Uh, production details i guess so the budget for striptease was 40 million a substantial chunk well over one quarter of that going to demi moore how much do you think this film made i'm gonna go with uh, and again for the record i i have not i have one piece of trivia that i looked up during this film yeah i know nothing about this film no other production nothing about it and but i'm gonna go with 80, I think it'll double it. No, it made 113 million. Okay, all right. And I assume, like, even better on, you know, home video release as well. So this must have made quite good bank. But then you take in Moore's and the advertising and maybe, I don't know, I I think that's a good return. Yeah, so apparently it wasn't, apparently it wasn't great domestically, but made a, a lot more money internationally with with Europe being given as like one of the key key territories, which I, I think is the Verhoeven factor of, you know, Americans maybe a little more buttoned up, a little more repressed, whereas Europeans are like, hey, can I have two tickets to striptease? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of um something, you know, I, I was thinking that if this was released six years later or so you know when America when you get to that Jerry Springer years, uh, you know, I, I compare that with like wrestling and the american pie movies everything gets a bit more vulgar and tits are a lot more acceptable i don't think this would have been controversial i assume it was quite controversial in america on release and i think that would have hampered it a little bit yeah so it, it made it made a lot more money on um, video release as you said so the the director andrew bergman has a great quote where he said that movie did better than almost anything i've been involved with all the subsidiary stuff was gigantic People said, I wouldn't be caught dead seeing it. And suddenly when it's available in a rental store, it's, I'll get Schindler's List and striptease. It's like when you're a kid and you're buying condoms at a drugstore, but you buy 12 tubes of toothpaste too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we're saying. I mean, it was that CD, even though it's not, it's not a CD grimy, you know, blue film in any way. I think like the, I don't even want to say the myth of it, but there was a, an aura of that this film is a lot more dirty, I guess, or more adult than what it is. Yeah, so I I spoke about that as well. This film is stunningly sexless, which we can get into later on. 
but I can I I would love to hear what per- Paul Verhoeven thought of this film, just because like we even we even group this together as like oh mm-hmm. this is like uh like the lesser showgirls so let's just get this out of the way yeah yeah and it's 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 like showgirls made by a kendall of um like it's just very plastic in a way and yeah i mean I, that's um so when my when my girlfriend asked me what I thought I watched this alone and yeah, worryingly she was like oh, how was how was it and um I was like well I thought it was an erotic thriller but it it was neither erotic nor thrilling it was uh, <laughs> it was completely it was uh, I, again I call it a zany comedy but that's yeah. exactly that's exactly what it is um it's weird and uh, yeah sexless is definitely one that I mean if you could and you could take out the strip tease the strip dancing parts of it and it would have like no effect on the film it's got no bearings on it really and you could have i think you could make like a 12a cut of this easily easily easily. so you mentioned you mentioned sort of controversies and american puritanism so i do have i do have one little um thing to read out to you uh the wikipedia page has a controversies subsection in 1997 striptease made news again Again, just like a year after its release, <laughs> when it was shown in a fourth grade class in Chicago, Illinois. The teacher claimed the students chose the film, but drew criticism since the film was risque. The violent 1996 film Scream was shown in the same school on the same day, causing further controversy. <laughs> so I, I, this is just like, at some point, there has been a turning point and we have ended up in the wrong universe where we're now, all our moral hysteria is surrounding drag queens and trans people just living their lives there is some world in which striptease is the culture war issue and people are getting mm-hmm. all tied up about like they're they're showing striptease in, in schools I don't want my kid growing up to be like <laughs> Burt Reynolds um, um. and I guess um, I guess so when we get round to it we'll probably like touch on these subjects again with showgirls yeah um, so I, I I'm quite curious to obviously the films are uncomparable but like the, sort of the controversy and the the reception and the the cultural zeitgeist effect that they both have in different ways but yeah no that's interesting um strange yeah. strange choices though for a teacher we've only got scream or striptease that's the only films we can show today yeah so without further ado let's get into it so um yeah. we've covered you you watched it on your own. I watched it with my friend Carrie, and she has a projector. So this is this is the sort of biggest that any of our viewings have ever. This is the closest we've had to the articles I've had to the cinema experience of watching this on a big screen. And Carrie also studied in Florida, where the film is set. So mm-hmm. I will be returning to her comments and notes as Florida american cultural correspondent but the film begins and we were setting it up and uh she was by the projector being like i i just want to wait until there's like a dialogue scene in case i need to um adjust the levels i was like you're going to be stood there for a while because it's like i will tell you right now how this film will open it will open with a big like opening title scene dance number so i was imagining i was like there's going to be like three minutes until there's um, i thought i so I with my first note, I expected that, you know, nineties dance. Yeah. You know, so maybe a Euro dance or maybe maybe <laughs> even a 
my new order, my beloved new order, <laughs> and it was gonna, it was gonna maybe pan through the backstage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna lead past, and the credits, the titles will come up, and we'll see all, you know, the names, um, and they'll go past all the dancers, you know, maybe like a Goodfellas sort of, we're gonna walk through it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and then you know we're gonna lead on stage. Uh, basically, I know who killed me. I kind of expected that. I was just um, about to reference that. Yeah. <laughs> And instead, what I got when my first note is uh, ju- Judge Colonel Sanders, um, <laughs> in, <laughs> and I instantly was just I was did, did Jericho send me the wrong movie? Did um, oh, there's another what, Saving what's, what's Christmas? Of, there's another movie from 1996 <laughs> called Striptease. Yeah, that's it's amazing how in sync we are because Judge Fingerhut is my is my first note because yeah we don't we don't open in the strip club we don't. They don't try and hook you from the off. I was completely wrong. Exposing myself as a Razzy ignoramus every day is a school day. Turns out you can't predict these things. Um, (laughs) It's like just sort of like a big like helicopter shot through Florida. And we open on a courthouse. And so we get this sort of like establishing shot of Judge Judge Colonel Sanders, who is like a um a sort of like old judge. Like he, he looks kind of similar to the Orson Welles judge from Butterfly, the Piazzadora movie, but Judge Fingerhut. And you get his little name plaque and shot so you can see. Okay. This movie just is leading you by the hand in preparation for how off the rails things are going to get. And the film just hits you with so much in that opening scene like i i was kind of lost because it's just every line that demi moore says is like exposition and it's like important exposition it's like a separate point of exposition basically a hundred percent and there's a a line um from the judge as well you know where he's like yeah um, when we're going through all this exposition he's like you're your husband's a good man, so you know you're yeah. not getting custody. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him. I like the cut of his jib. Yeah, and I, uh, I was like, oh my god, this is a, an info dump right away. But okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I guess the tone's getting very different than I expected. But yeah, just lay it on me. I don't. I'm not here for. You know, fine screenplays and you know interwoven plots. So like you just... walk into uh, you walk into the strip bar. And you're like, I'm not here for screenplays or plots. Take off your damn clothes. I got a fistful of ones here to me. I've got. Uh, show me the money. Yeah. So I have written here, which almost I'm almost tempted to say it's her first line. It's not, but she quote. I just lost my job as a secretary for the FBI. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it, it hits you with so much where I was just desperate to be like, okay, what's relevant here? Because you're just landed, like, in the middle of it. We don't get any up the court steps. We don't get any, like, dressing oh, yeah. for the court day or speaking to friends or anything. It's just, wham, you're right in the midst of it. She apparently worked for the FBI and then I don't know if it, I don't know if I missed in that scene, but they're like, and her husband also worked for the FBI. Um, oh, okay. I think I missed that. I, I, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, they, they drop in that he has some connection with the FBI. And oh, okay. uh, the husband, so I wrote here, husband, classic piece of shit actor. And because I didn't realize until later on, it's our beloved Robert Patrick. <laughs> My boy. It's the T-1000 himself. <laughs> um, 
which uh, it took me a little while to recognize him because he's not the clean cut Los Angeles he, he cop. He's a sort of he, scuzzball. Like he has a mustache, doesn't he? He doesn't. He doesn't look like Robert Patrick. No, um, it's a, like uh, I've seen him in so many things, and like, whether it's just he's got such a, a recognizable face, you yeah, know, and like certain look to him. And then, no, there was times where I was like, oh, yeah, shit. It took me, and I'm, you told me he was in it, but like, yeah. I forgot. And it took me like yeah. 10 seconds to go, oh, wait a minute, fucking hell, that's, that's my boy. It's yeah. the Terminator 2. <laughs> Chameleonic performance. Like, it, Great, it's like yeah. a T-1000 shape-shifting into <laughs> the scuzzball. Because, yeah, unrecognizable, basically. And so they have that sort of custody battle where she's trying to get custody of their kid, who... Let's just acknowledge right now, Rumor Willis, played by Demi Moore's actual child. Um, yeah, um, I didn't notice that until the credits. Um, <laughs> I was like, this kid's, I was like, when I was watching, I was like, this kid stinks. Um, oh. I was like, this kid, no, no, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to give her a Razzie. But oh, I was okay, like, okay. Mr. Razzie's going to, you know, I was like, surely he's going to come. Because Worst this new that. star. <laughs> it's just, this is a, and I, I was just thinking, this is either a really bad child actor or this is a nepotistic. Oh. Like, and I, so I kind of and then the credits came up and it took took me like again a bit too long. I was like, well, oh wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, wait a fucking minute. So yeah, I I didn't know that until the credits. Um, that, that was actually and I I guess because I don't have any chemistry either. <laughs> <laughs> I just no, I, I never I never knew that. Then we head off to neon sign, the eager beaver, which my note here was furries. Because the the neon sign <laughs> for the eager beaver is it, it's even unrecognizable as a beaver immediately. Yeah. Because you're just seeing like a kind of like sexy furry thing of like it's an anthropomorphic animal. That's all you get. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have like it doesn't have the iconic like beaver attributes of like the maybe if I saw it again I would be able to pick up on like teeth or tail. But it certainly doesn't lead with that. It's like how everyone went nuts about Hermione and Harry Potter of like, they've made her hot. She's meant to have like <laughs> buck teeth and yeah. bushy hair. The eager beaver was like, okay, we're going to we're gonna downsize the teeth and we're going to kind of lose the tail because this is just going to be like a, a, a furries. This is going to be furry <laughs> porn. And I, I do have, so you mentioning the Goodfellas note, I do have Copacabana written because okay. we kind of semi do the, we're outside and then, I don't know, the Steadicam operator is like, oh God, I need a break. Because they don't do the f- fluid Goodfellas or indeed My Son Hunter where you're going from one <laughs> single shot. But you do kind of get that, like, it, it, it is just like we've got old man Biden being like, Come on, man, we're going to go through the Eager Beaver, we're going to show you, take you through the strip club, man. Can, can we take a break here, man? Just going to catch my breath, Jack. Um, <laughs> of like, we kind of make our way from the entrance to the green room and the dressing room, but just taking a couple um, of pauses along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is where i think this is where we get the the title the title scene and this is where it reveals this was based on a book yes again a recurring thing as we go through all these fucking razzies we everything's based off novels mega surprised and not surprised now because you know i'm getting used to it i'm getting a bit disenchanted it could say but yeah didn't know this 
didn't know this at the time. I guess the exposition dump's not in the book either. I guess this is quite a different adaptation, but I have no idea. Yeah, so I might deal with it a little bit later on, but a, a, a recurrent discussion point for me and Carrie was trying to w- work out what type of book this was. Because I could see this being a kind of... Like, I could see the book maybe even being good and being, like, some sort of satirical commentary. And all of that has just been, like, abandoned by the filmmakers. Because, as you said, so many Razzie winners are based on books. And that was kind of like... Not that they don't still do that, but as culture has become sort of dumbed down i guess things are based more off like products or whatever it's like here's like the cheetos movie or this is like inspired by a tweet chain or a rolling stone article but that's still that you know that's still we've still got fucking twilights and 50 shades and holmes and watson i guess to an extent i don't know if conan doyle's credited on that but um (laughs) so i don't know if it ever really changes but in the more obscure little books to now you know like striptease the novel isn't you know relevant in these these days but um the sort of more you know oh i didn't know that was an adaptation that doesn't happen anymore it's either corporate shit or like big franchise books i guess yeah but certainly this was the way of doing things in the past was you would get your source material and you would option the rights to that and then you would attach a star and hey ho you've got a movie going Mm -hmm. on and so it almost feels like some like Hollywood exec was just like browsing Barnes and Noble and saw the title striptease and was like, "Great, um, this is going to be our uh, our movie. What what A list mm. actresses are available?" And this is a go. But my next note is the letter M, and I can't recall if that was a note in and of itself or I got distracted and just didn't type out the rest of it. Okay, because I've watched because I've watched this like a week ago, and yeah. my notes don't make sense to me much either. They're more just I've cherry picked the things I've enjoyed or yeah. wait I need to talk about that. So like from scene to scene, again we can summarize the movie in a, a blurb. It's it's not a deep film. It's um, yeah, and that's that's something as it went along, I, I kind of clicked as well. I was like, oh, I know exactly what this is going to be, exactly where it's going to go. Now, obviously, there's insane parts I would have never predicted in a million years. But in terms of, I've got certain quotes and I have um, I have little scenes, so you're gonna have to fill me in on a little bit of the the chronological order of some of them. I can I can certainly do that. I think what's pertinent to discuss here is just the fact that we start off in in that strip club, and Demi Moore is just a fully fledged stripper immediately. So, right away, no transition, just no. boom, straight in, and like an experienced one as well. Like she's yeah, it's not just. It's not got that, like, I, I would have expected, especially when I was thinking of like, the miscongeniality effect. She was yeah. going to have to, she'd be shy or she would be, like, too yeah. nervous to do it and there'd be a more experienced showgirl exactly, or something yeah. that have to take her under her wing. And, and then by the end of the film, she would have been performing, like, you know, she an experienced dancer. But no, 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 she is straight into it. Yeah, we don't get that Campbellian structure. We don't get the stripper star is born. We just get like fully fledged, bam, like this is my job. This is just day in the life. And so she mentions how that's a further a further obstacle to getting her kid back is, oh no, if the judge finds out that I am a, that I'm a stripper, then end game. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like the inciting incident of the plot which I don't have covered in my note but uh, notes but I realize I should probably cover 
So she, Demi Moore is dancing and people go wild. Thing Rames is a bouncer at the club and he is, uh, he, he just goes sort of like backstage and is hanging out with, with the girls. Well, my, my second note right here is Marcellus Wallace has a monkey. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Um, yeah, he's, he's the only bouncer slash bodyguard yeah. slash... You don't he's, need more than Ving Rhames. Like you're not going to eat into you're not, not going to eat into the profits of Eager Beaver by hiring multiple. <laughs> like John Travolta is just there hanging out, hanging out the bar <laughs> talking about cheeseburgers. But so Ving Rhames is slacking, or in fact, maybe you do need more than Ving Rhames because he's he's slacking. So some guy jumps up on stage mm-hmm. and interrupts Demi Moore's dance and like proposes to her essentially yeah he, he's on a, a star no it's like a yes yeah, a stag do or the american equivalent oh he's yeah. to get married. so he's bachelor party so that's yeah. the uh, american one and um he's really really drunk and he, he just he goes on stage and she asks him as well like what would your fiance think or yeah he'd tell you to go home go home but yeah he's, he's, yeah and he's getting a bit too um pansy as well yeah so yeah that's that's what he's up to and Ving Rhames is fucking about with his monkey backstage. <laughs> so um, it, it all kicks off, essentially. And who steps in to save the day but our man, Jack Horner, who just glasses the guy. Well, yeah. Um, so first of all, an angel appeared is my next note. Um, because <laughs> when he first, it's his first line. It's when, you know, he's, he's coked up or drunk as well he shouldn't be there he's like advisors like you know you're you're a senator you can't be here you're congressman or whatever the fuck you are you know you'll get recognized just keep a low profile yeah and as soon as moore's on the stage he you know and and she's quite um tame as well compared to like the previous dancer yeah and he's just starstruck he's in awe in his line an angel appeared and then yeah he just goes up and fucking bottles the guy which brings me to my first and pretty much only note or trivia in this film Mm-hmm. So, small part of this film is played by Gianni Russo. Um, he plays one of the like mobster associates of Burt Reynolds. Okay. He's barely in it. It's him and his son. I can't remember their names in it. But when I was watching it, I was like, ah, it's one of those, I recognize you. Why do I recognize you? So I looked him up, and he is uh, Carlo Rizzi in The Godfather. Oh, wow. So like, All right. That's where I know him from. And then I was, as I was reading it, it's on his, um, he's also in the Super Mario Brothers movie, but I think I think it's uh, The Godfather I'm thinking of him. And, um, yeah, and then I read this and it was, you know, it clicked. I was like, I don't know if this is like just the word, nice bit of synchronicity or something. But in his um, trivia, it's in, in 1988, Russo killed a man inside at a Las Vegas nightclub. When he tried to intervene to stop a man from harassing a female patron, oh the man stabbed him with a broken champagne bottle. Russo, a legal carry gun owner, pulled his gun and shot him in the head. So um, no fucking I was around like, there. I was like, oh my god, that was. Um, I wonder if he had like flashbacks and he was watching, you know, the striptease premiere. And yeah. Was like, oh, like hey, something happened like this to me, except I shot the fucking guy. I didn't yeah. ball him. He balled me. <laughs> um, so yeah that's that's like my only bit of trivia um he's barely in the film either he's got such a small role but that's it um i probably shouldn't be laughing at the killing of a man but that just sort of adds to the absurd legend of striptease well that's it and then five years later he does 
Mario Brothers movie, and then a couple of years after that, he does striptease. So, yeah. you know, all's, all's well, it ends well. I'm not except the guy. Do you think it's like the notorious, like, the notorious Christopher Lee anecdote from Two Towers, where Peter Jackson is, like, speaking about, like, stabbing someone or slitting their throat, and Christopher Lee just sort of looms up behind him and goes, like, actually, when you slit someone's throat, they sound like this, or they make this exact <laughs> noise. Um, he was just a consultant for strip club violence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my next note is cats. So God knows what I'm going to be like at the end of this quest, but I'm already becoming too, too razzy-pilled, where I'm just seeing the connections everywhere, and particularly being in L.A., and like going around like the Academy Museum and things and just being like, oh my God, Razzie, Razzie, Ra-, like seeing <laughs> seeing connections and drawing lines. I'm like Neo just seeing green numbers. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's Taylor Swift, star of 2019 movie Cats. It's, it's this and this and this and Rob Schneider. So one of the strippers does a Cats routine and that's kind mm. of like our entryway out of it's like we see we're introduced to a bunch of dancers including like urban sprawl or whatever her name is mm-hmm. but we we exit on cats where i think they're like this is about to get weird so you don't want to see this it's furry night down at eager beavers <laughs> and then we enter into a domestic scene with a a couple and this is where i have my first note which i can definitely identify as Carrie rather than me so basically I think I haven't distinguished so I think if anything is a funny or interesting observation that's probably something Carrie said that I just desperately scribbled down and then nonsense about cats it's gonna be me she was like (laughs) the long lighter she was like that's a touch of realism because we get a woman in like a sort of Florida pad who lights a cigarette with one of those long barbecue lighters Mm -hmm. So that's apparently an authentic Florida detail. Um, however, it's not Florida decor because you get the sort of like wood panel kind of like trailer thing where a couple sat down and then that apparently passes the test. But in the reverse shot, not up to scratch, not Florida. <laughs> but one of us, this is where this is where I'm losing touch with someone said, who the fuck is this? Because my next note is way too many characters. Yeah, that is that is definitely a, a case for me. I think I don't know if this is relevant. I think it is my next note before is who the fuck dances to Annie Lennox, which oh, is oh um, yeah, yeah yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on the record because she's not invited on this podcast. I I do not like Annie Lennox. Our, I don't like our fellow Aberdonian, Eurythmics. <laughs> I, yeah, well, <laughs> I just I just can't. I I, and I fucking hate them. I was like there was like two songs already. I think she danced to at this point. And yeah, I was like, great. Like I I was like in 1996 as well. Like why you would be playing Annie Lennox in a fucking strip club? You know, like there's nothing more unerotic than Annie Lennox either. And this is like, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be like the Prodigy or something. I don't know, that's like British, maybe I'm thinking over like Babylon Zoo or, you know, something like that. <laughs> You're going to be is dancing to something that's a bit more fast, maybe. Where the Nine Inch more... Nails going in 1996. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's all like Boyzone and Take That, isn't it? Um, the Spice <laughs> Girls. But yeah, I was like, okay, so I was like, I, my actual note is far too much Annie Lennox, minus 10 points. And then wow. 20 minutes later or something, I have... There's a quote from, I think it's the owner of the Eager Beaver, 
like you get such a good year like our number one draw even with that shit music you play and i was like hey <laughs> plus 10 points <laughs> like call out um but there's so much annie lennox i didn't expect like the entire soundtrack to be annie lennox and the arithmetics and it really fucking annoyed me so yeah that's that's my note <laughs> annie lennox is someone who i don't have any huge familiarity with so i didn't really notice until for once i think we watched to like the end credits and so got all the the songwriting songwriting acknowledgements and i was only watching that and seeing the name annie lennox come up multiple times that i was like mm-hmm. did they have some deal or something like uh, why was there so much rhythmics on the soundtrack it's such a fucking strange choice yeah like whatever i'm glad they called it out though i'm glad even they called their own soundtrack shit because um, <laughs> <laughs> there is other good stuff that you know i think prince is in here occasionally there's some stuff yeah. that is a bit more fit in and that, but yeah no not an annie lennox fan i'm glad she wasn't stripping but i don't want to hear her voice um yeah, so happy with that. But this seems like a pertinent moment to cross off one of my other notes, which is the dancing choreography. So I'm like, did they have like a choreographer? Because if you told me that Demi Moore just rocked up, no research, day one, and they just filmed whatever she kind of did, I would believe you because <laughs> it's it, it's it's not good. And Carrie in particular, already already Florida consultant, I don't want to label her stripping consultant, but she was like maddened by like the dancing here and the, the use of the pole of, she's like, yeah. she's just holding it. She starts off like yeah. touching it, but the pole's not utilized by anyone really. <laughs> I, I'm, so like, I don't know if the other showgirls in it are like pole dancers or they can't be they would be better at it if they no one no one's yeah you're right i mean some of the there must have been a choreographer on it but like there um, is there's one credited okay (laughs) but like i also chalked it down to moore not being not i don't know what the word is but she's not um she's not very mobile basically you know she's uh she's quite limited in her actions and her um you're saying uh, that's about so gi jane yeah <laughs> well yeah but how much like pole dancing does she do in gi jane it's um, like stallone being like a pole dancer and ram exactly, just doesn't exactly. have that he's too buff <laughs> exactly um built for strength so, like, but not the, flexibility and uh, comparing that like and again i never thought i said uh compare that to lohan and i know who killed me she was she was a lot better Mm-hmm. yeah a lot lot better like in terms of like dancing and sort of making it really believable yeah I, so i agree with you so uh my my thing is i'm like i haven't been to strip club my entire knowledge is based off cinema and i don't know if this is perhaps as like, i don't know if this is the movie being a crap movie or if this is just accurate to the 90s whereas like mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the the sort of reference point I made is maybe like Arsene Wenger revolutionizing like English football by being like, well, uh, no ketchup and we're going to be eating a strict... Like, I don't know if prior to this we had the like strippers being like the, that Southampton, not Southampton, the, what was the guy? You know, the Wayne goalkeeper, Sutton. I, I don't know if we had strippers being like the Sutton United goalkeeper who ate up eye like while he was on the bench. Yeah. I was like, were strippers in the 90s just like sort of a bit worse at their jobs? Whereas now in the internet OnlyFans era, they've all been forced to become like peak athletes. 
where they're doing like these incredible acts of like strength and acrobatics whereas before in the 90s it was kind of okay to be like hey you know i'm just gonna have my finger on this pole i'm gonna sort of shake around and (laughs) shift my weight from one foot to the other and that'll be all right well, I guess I guess showgirls again when we get round to it is going to oh, answer that question. Yeah, no, it, that's going to shoot that out of the water. Yeah, um, bring so, my man Paul in here because the dancing, yeah, Paul, as yeah. I recall, is better in showgirls than it is in in striptease. It's, yeah, it's exactly it's what I recall. Um, so I'm like, I'm willing to be wrong, but um, yeah, Verhoeven never lets me down. <laughs> So to get back to where we were, the, the the way too many character observation, who who the fuck is this? So I think that's Demi Moore picking up her daughter from perhaps even like in-laws because she's so she's married to Robert Patrick. Um, they're separated, but but still married. And something which me and Carrie were constantly trying to suss out is like, how did they meet? How did they get together? Because they oh, have nothing in common. This I'd relationship love to see is. The, I'd love to see the prequel. <laughs> I'd love to see Strip T Zero. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Give because... Give me her becoming a stripper, and give me the two of them meeting. Give me Give me their FBI days together, yeah. falling in love. You know, and getting married. And um, because they are so worlds apart. And then, like, I guess it's trying to say that maybe Robert Patrick maybe had like the facade of being a good person. Yeah. Maybe he was a cop. A, you know and made yeah. a slightly robotic cop but um <laughs> now he's sort of you know showing his true colors and he doesn't give a fuck and you know he's deep down a nasty person you know that's that happens but no they are worlds apart and yeah it, there's no connection there there's I, it doesn't make any sense and I, I don't think that's just weird casting that's like the writing as well yeah i don't know if that's fixed in the novel but it's is is really it's jarring because because basically we just get these two like the way too many characters is they're just throwing so many people at you so early on and you're trying to pan through of like is this someone that i'm gonna need to like should i learn who this person is well um, it's a hundred percent it because i've got a note here about jerry the rapist or jerry the creep <laughs> Uh, and I was like, um, "There's a scene early on where he, like, you know, he's waiting for flowers." And I, like, and I was like, "Well, again, Ving, stop fucking about because they've just there's a creep just standing outside their fucking car, like waiting for it." You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Like the, the, the sort of like <laughs> you have one job. Exactly. Yeah, um, bouncing one oh one of stop people from following your dancers home, and Ving's yes. just like, "Nah, it's cool." It's Jerry. About with it's Jerry, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he, she's like, oh, even though the other strippers are like, um, oh, you know, he, he's a bit weird. I don't trust him. And uh, Moore's like, no, no, he's deep. He's, he's harmless. Fine. He's, yeah. he's harmless. Um, but he was a character. I was like, okay, do I have to give a fuck about him? It's just gonna, is he going to be important? Is he going to be a, a love interest? Is it, what's going to fucking happen here? Because there's too many. I only care about uh, Ving, essentially, at this point, and Patrick. And Bert, but we don't we haven't seen too much about Bert Reynolds no. yet. He hasn't come into his element yet. So right now I'm pretty much only invested in the manager of yeah. the Eager Beaver and Ving. These like show me more that show me more like a Sopranos, you know, like sort of the day to day of like the, the bada bing. That's that's yeah. what I'm interested here. <laughs> because there's too much going on and two clashing films going on as well so yeah too many characters 100 percent. yeah so to close the book on my guy i think they might be robert patrick's like 
I think it might be Demi's in-laws, but the, the Paul Blart mall cop guy who's just looking after her kid while she picks it up. And we only get them in kind of like one scene. So turns out me trying to scrutinize his like security uniform was pointless because he's just yeah. not yeah, well, really that's relevant. It. And why did he get played as such a creep as well? And I know so she could get information. Yeah. yeah. And like, but I was like, this isn't, you're not portraying this as an erotic thriller. If this was a, you know, a CD, I know who killed me sort of like, you're not making Silence Film. of the Lambs here, where every yeah. supporting male character has this sort of predatory gaze. I You're mean, just... I don't know. I don't know how far off it was, but you know, they were just talking about uh, not having niblets up my hoo ha and you know, <laughs> pasta wrestling and stuff like that. Oh, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I, the, the weird tone shifts here. I was like, I don't, I don't get these two clashing sort of films, and I'm not interested in this other side. I'm not really giving a shit if Moore gets her kid back at this point. <laughs> Okay, just to just to cross off things in my in my notes so that I can kind of since my uh, broken brain works in a very linear order. I have here this was a carry observation. It's interesting watching watching these with other people, and I think like just sort of how other people look at films without the baggage of having watched. <laughs> having watched one of these every week i guess like mm-hmm. so she was more positive and she was like oh the editor like the editor deserves their paycheck because that's a good transition so there's a moment where like demi moore like i think slams down the trunk or something and it uses that as like a cut transition with thunder into like another scene and there's a couple moments where the editor the editor Fundam- sort of earns yeah. their earns their paycheck fundamentally there this isn't that bad film i mean oh it is to, no it, no it is but I, you were talking about like coming off like swept away which was shot like it was we talked about like a commercial or something there were moments in here where i was like oh this looks like a movie this looks like it doesn't look like a, a big budget 40 million movie but um you know i, I can see this being you know a sandler a paul bollard level like if it, yeah it doesn't look any worse to me than a lot of like zany comedies or films from this time as well like when we get into the second half there's a lot of issues with it of course but like it it the editor isn't bad there's there's some moments of thought and care i like but i think i'm going to be jumping ahead when i get to them so let you carry on the linear plot please yeah we've got i've just realized we've got a fair bit to go before we even get to the introduction of jerry so my next note is i'm not putting these in corn because as you as you mentioned earlier, the owner of the Eager Beaver has all these sort of like gimmicks and plans for mm-hmm. the club. And one of them was like, corn wrestling, ladies, you're going to be doing cream corn wrestling. And that's where we got the like, I'm not putting my hoo-ha um, opportunities niblets there. Up my, uh, yeah, <laughs> niblets up my hoo-ha. I wrote, I wrote it down because it, it, it made me... I have um, two genuine laughs in this movie. This was yeah. a chuckle. This wasn't one of them, but this was a chuckle. I was like, okay, this is this is fun. This is zany. This is I I, I hate him, but I like him. It's a fun character. Yeah, um, I'm sure he has a lot to do with the plot, and we'll stick around with him. And <laughs> yeah. so that's the, the 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 dancer with like comically obscenely large breast implants is like I'm not putting these in corn. That's her contribution. And then we get a monkey reaction shot at some point. And so this kind of like leads into, or this calls back to what you were saying, is like, we're just getting all these characters who you assume are going to be relevant, but they're not. And the monkey, the monkey is most representative of that. 
because why the monkey is in this film, I have no idea. We get like copious reaction shots of the monkey. Yeah. Is this just a 90s thing of everything's a bit funnier if it has a monkey? But did someone have a monkey they were babysitting and just brought to set that day? Like, did it escape? Was it like uh, the monkey comes with the club location and so really like it, he owns the club, so... It's, it's again what I mean, it's where it's leaning into being a, a zany SNL comedy, you know, like there's yeah. that weird, like someone thought it would make it funnier and have like maybe the juxtaposition between Ving and the monkey and yeah. there's potential for, you know, jokes that, you know, they write themselves as well, but like not for this film, not for this movie, maybe for other movies out in 96, there's, you know, and we're going to come, I've got that later, but um, yeah, no, the, I didn't mind the monkey though. I'm going to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I, I, I did not mind the monkey at all. <laughs> um, I I just want to know more about the monkey. Have you seen, have you seen the Fablemans yet? Not yet, no. So spoilers for the Fablemans, not really, but um, Steven Spielberg's <laughs> mum, Steven Spielberg's mum gets a oh, monkey. Things in it. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg's mum gets a monkey, and it is like it could be the same monkey for all I don't. I know I don't know yeah. the um I don't know the lifespan of monkeys, but it's that capuchin monkey like Ross's monkey from Friends. Like just a way to say that, the like, that, that. That episode had to be around ninety six, ninety seven, or something. Anyway, yeah. um, the screenwriter monkey, was just like a monkey, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's, what it's, this film needs. <laughs> It's easy, um, but yeah, like, sorry, continue before we never end this film. Razzie Brain, WWF, um, yep. and so they, they mentioned, like, yeah, yeah, they're like, what are we, the World Wrestling Federation? And it's like, <laughs> nice little tip of the hat. <laughs> and then the the owner of the strip club is trying to further monetize his business with merchandise, and so he presents to them coasters and t-shirts, I think with the 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 mascot the logo mm-hmm. and it's like hey ladies maybe what about when you're on stage you could you could take a pause pause the eurythmics and try and hawk the merchandise and Demi Moore is like we hate these they degrade mm-hmm. women and beavers which was again like a uh I I think that was it I think that was when I first realized I was like oh these are actually meant to be beavers. Okay, that's cool. It's not just like a non-specific animal. It, it, it's meant to be meant to be a beaver. And this was where I was again grateful for Carrie's presence as a Canadian and ex-Florida resident. I was like, it's almost like you're uniquely positioned to comment on this film and the the crimes mm-hmm. against Canada's national animal. And she's also a woman, I guess. So degrading women beavers. <laughs> Far and she's more also per- a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> far more pertinent, uh, far more relevant perspective than me as a man who is like, yeah. yeah, whoa, those t-shirts are so cool. I've got to get me one of those. And then we go on to the cockroach. So, my no- I mean, I'm running out of notes. Um, all my notes are in the first what, half hour and then they're just random bits throughout the film, especially when it starts to hit the lull for me. Yeah. The cockroach scene. So... Ving has a plan that he's spoke with his lawyer, and it's a Lionel Hutz type lawyer, you know, <laughs> that, um, which I loved. I, I was all up for that. And he's going to put a cockroach in yogurt and sue them because it gave him such a shock that his hair fell out. I think it's the line. And I was like, okay, like, it's, like this is a fun little diversion. I'm cool with that. But when the joke actually pays off is when he puts it, you know, he gives it to the lawyer and it's in the lawyer's fridge. Yeah. And um, the lawyer secretary is like, 
oh, I'm on a diet. I'm just having yogurt today. Yeah. Um, I think she gets offered something. I can't remember. So obviously it's such an obvious setup and she sits down and she obviously takes the roach yogurt and um, she's just sitting there spoon after spoonful and then the crunch, you know, and yeah. I love her. She just like little shrug of the shoulder, eh, whatever. And yeah. then just carries on eating. Yeah. One of two ju- actual laughs. I didn't, I just didn't expect. I thought it was going to go with the obvious, you know, shriek and yeah, like, yeah. 1996. I was like, I like that joke. It took a long time. It went nowhere. It had no relation to the film at all. Yeah. But um, the zanier parts of this, when it does kind of lean into this, oh, this could be David Spade in this, you know, this could be a Farley film. Um, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, The Roach, one of two actual laughs. I'm I'm the complete opposite, where my I had cockroach in tone because I was like, what the fuck is the tone of this movie? Because I was like, this is all over the place, where it's doing that kind of, like, absurd, yeah, like, Sandler... Just like this sort of aside that doesn't really go anywhere. I was like, this movie is almost nothing but a collection of disparate subplots. And um, all of them little sketches that don't really stick together. So that 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 kind of annoyed me. On, on our viewing, we were like, no, picking more holes in this. With Carrie's observation, she was like, that's like, there are tons of yogurt pots in the fridge, like identical. And she takes the only one that is labelled, like, Ving on the top. Like, it has a little piece of... It's like, why the fuck would you... Like, it's not even as if it's the only one. And so she's like... But it's like, specifically, she's like, oh, yeah, I... I, I, I... So, again, this is the differences because of the actual core of the film I didn't really give a fuck about. If it wasn't for Bert, I would have really checked out. Yeah. So all these little side bits are were, were keeping me interested. Like I said, with the owner of the Eager Beaver and Ving and sort of the other dancer the other joke i really enjoyed has nothing to do with the film either yeah which we get to however i will say i have met and worked with people who are vindictive horrible <laughs> cretins True, and will right. eat the o- the only yogurt that's yeah. in like the work fridge and they're like no no that's got kyle's name on it fuck it i'm eating that one i'm sorry um, i'm sorry you're right you're right i hadn't thought about that where some people the taste of like i don't know some, the taste yeah, of sadism so- is tasted is sweeter <laughs> than the taste of the yogurt yeah exactly yeah. you're right again though it has no bearing on the film and you guys are right like again like <laughs> This is this is spoilers from when we ask about how to fix this. You separate it into two films and you cut out all this shit. You can do it with two. Well, you cut the films, yeah. You just you cut, make it into two different films. Um, have a zany comedy about strippers or have Miss Congeniality has to go undercover to stop Burt Reynolds. So perhaps a possible reason this was included is just like a little detail for Florida residents because apparently those cockroaches are a specific variety of cockroach called palmetto Mm -hmm. bugs and they're everywhere in Florida Mm -hmm. and basically yeah so that's a that's a true to Today I learned. Yeah true to life thing. I don't know if this was like I don't know if the book was set in Florida maybe it's set somewhere else and they relocated it and then the screenwriter just saw them flying everywhere while he was watching Friends and was like, you know what, I'm going to work this in. This is going to be like a little environmental Mm -hmm. factor that we'll utilise. Next note, porking. And so I think this might be said by either Jack Horner or Jack Horner's little security guy, but someone refers to like porking. And I'd just been listening to a podcast Harmontown the other day where there was a big discussion point about the use of porking as a verb. And they're like, yeah, I'm glad that's kind of like gone away. If that's something you don't really hear anymore. 
I think they they mentioned like one of the National Lampoon movies. That's like a punchline there of like, oh, he porked her or whatever. But this porking just highlights this as like a 90s artifact. And of course, uh, an opportunity to reference our hated porkies. But my next note, fashion. I think that might just be that this seems like it's a 90s movie, but it seems like a little bit more stuck in the 80s. I don't know if that's a Florida, like Miami Vice thing can't remember if there's a funnier observation going on here but alas that has been lost next note surprisingly sexless so there's a so i've got my a note here that can kind of link into that the owner of the eager beaver is talking about how he can't get an erection and he's not attracted <laughs> to any of the strippers and he says uh you know i sea world is the last time i i got it up and they're like, what? Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, the, the poipus has got me hot. And uh, I, I thought it's my favorite episode of The Simpsons, uh, Troy McClure episode, uh, I'm going to SeaWorld. So I was like, oh, that's, again, yeah. nothing to do with anything. Yeah. But I was like, you're right, Mr. Beaver. This is this is an incredibly unerotic, this is such a sexless, no one, no one's going out here with fucking hard-ons. No one's, no one's rushing out the theater with their other half to go park in. No one's yeah. doing, this is so sexless. Yeah, so a hundred percent. Which is why I would love for this to have director commentary by Paul Verhoeven or even John Waters, like the mommy dearest thing. I would just love someone with a little bit more uh, dirt under their fingernails to speak about how just like anodyne and sanitized mm-hmm. this is, how sterile it is. It is. Because I was like, no one fucks. I no. was like, no this is just like for a movie that i thought was about that sort of like eroticism and scandal it's just like it's so clean of like the strip club is just like a nine to five punch your clock i 100 percent thought that and i was thinking as well and it's a it's the moore willis connection because in was it color of night when they had that yeah. quite intense like five minute sex scene that was quite yeah. graphic um took me by surprise as well um even compared to like 50 shades of gray and other things we covered i was that that's the one i was like oh my god that's what i was expecting here it was more color yeah. of night so yeah of intense intense like colors and you know um sort of moods and things and just basic you know like is this you know simulated or not is this like um a question but nothing nothing at all well to go back to our other demi moore's other appearance on the podcast indecent proposal um, Indecent Proposal is a kind of horny film. Like they're fucking on the bed of money, and yeah. like there's there's the infamous like Woody Harrelson sitting in the in the restaurant watching like fountains. Like, oh my god, my wife! <laughs> like, just I expected more of that. Whereas, like, yeah, no, just nothing. Like, no one fucks in the world of striptease, no. and the horniest guy is probably Congressman Dilbeck. Um, yeah. but even he is in a weird sort of like Dennis Hopper <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like a, a, a weird psychological pathological um, desire rather than anything else but someone someone says at some point is this on the same planet as is this on the same planet as Miami and that's another another true to Florida thing I learned apparently every place in Florida different to every other so again, just want to shout out the um, like I don't know location scouts on uh, yeah. the striptease. Um, that's something I remember. I went to Orlando when I was a kid, 
Yeah. And um, we went, we spent like two weeks in Orlando and we, I can't remember where else we went, but um, it was literally like leaving, you know, I, like a different country. Um, yeah. I was, I was so, even as a dumb little kid, and I probably was this, the year of striptease, I was like six or seven. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking we'd gone from like Florida to New York or to like Washington or something. I thought we'd completely left like a different state. And for such a small state, I think, I don't think Florida's that big in comparison to other Big, I, I think everything's texas sized in my head but yeah like i get that that's a that's a good representation for florida yeah uh, the florida tourism board actually funded striptease like come on we have monkeys we have strippers <laughs> we have palmetto bugs near yogurt anything you could possibly want you will find in the orange state and so this is where i have jerry and okay, okay, I, I, I've, I've, I, I recall what this is now. So Jerry had been introduced a little bit earlier on, and as you, as you acknowledged, Jerry has, Jerry has bad vibes. Yeah, very um, bad vibes. And Carrie identified it where she was like, something's wrong about him. She's like, I don't know if it's like malevolent bad vibes of like, I don't necessarily know if he's predatory, but he's going to fuck things up, whether uh, that's through like incompetence or... Yeah, I thought, because um, it, it's a weird thing, because like I say, Jerry's such a creepy vibe. It's um, yeah. but because the film's so sexless, so is he. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I yeah. don't know what his intentions are. I don't know if he... Well, what he wants to do because um, he's a, he's he's a plot device because he catches her outside her car and gives her flowers he's like you know my feelings are about you um not your profession i'd i'd still think of you the same way whether you were a nurse or a teacher you know a legitimate wholesome profession for women women who have value even if you're one of those and he's like i can help you get your kid back mm-hmm. Fuck knows how, but fuck knows what Jerry's got going on. But he's like, I can help you get your kid. And then the next time we see Jerry is... Well, it's because Jerry's seen Burt Reynolds in the club, Bottle of the Man. And is he that why... And I thought is... he was going to blackmail him because or something, oh, right? okay, okay. I and couldn't remember. That would Burt make Reynolds, sense. Yeah. Burt Reynolds says to his sidekick, who I forget, and he's like, oh, get rid of him, you know. Like, yeah. make the problem disappear kind of thing. Jerry sleeps with the fishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jerry washes up in um, the next time we see Jerry, he's dead. He yeah. washes up in someone's um, he washes up in the lake by someone's someone's place, and this is where I have Casablanca, because um, Casablanca is perhaps the more I think about it, the more uh, it's probably the most referenced movie in the history of media, and it will crop up in the strangest places. So off the top of my head, we've done it with Emoji Movie and, of course, mm-hmm. Super Babies, Baby Geniuses. It'll just be like, it'll be the most tenuous fucking thing as well. And someone will just quote Casablanca. Or, of course, like, uh, it, where it makes most sense is Shining Through is almost like one big Casablanca reference. Mm-hmm. But there's one here which I would not have predicted if you told me Striptease would have a Casablanca reference. Because the guy, I forget who it is, again, probably some tertiary side character whose job is solely to discover Jerry's bloated corpse. He says basically something like, of all the of all the swimming spots in all the world, you had to wash up in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which again, it's, it's that, it's, you know, quote, uh, or reference Casablanca without watching or knowing Casablanca, you know, you've got... We've said it before, there's the four quotes or something you're going to pull on or, you know, yeah. references. Like, 
I don't know if Mr. Bergman or whoever directed this has seen Casablanca or if it's in the novel or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But um, yeah, I this is this is probably the turning point in the film for me where I'm not having as much fun. Yeah. Um, I my notes are rapidly starting to go away here. If I said it before, if it wasn't for Bert, I would have turned on this film probably by this time because we can you know like this is where i'm saying like the plot you could just make it into a summary almost because like it doesn't really fucking matter there's moments of madness and stuff we can talk about but like there's so little other than just random characters like i said my godfather the boy appearing um (laughs) why and what's lincoln it's like none of it really matters in the end so from jerry's death onwards i'm a little bit foggier until we approach Burt Reynolds on his boat. Yeah, so my notes also begin to tail off. So, yeah, you're right. This is this is the key. And it's almost like the movie checks out when Jerry does, because it definitely, not to say that it was holding it together beforehand by any means, but it's certainly all the, all the sort of corners of the movie begin to drift apart. Yeah. So this is where the plot gets more into, into overdrive. So something happens with Jack Horner, and Ving Rams has the has the the uh, the line. Do I look like I follow politics? Mm-hmm. And he, I think he missed the Jack Horner bottling episode. I think the the guy got to the stage because Ving Rams was backstage well, he's called reading Roche like doing something. No, no, I think he was reading the Wall Street Journal. Oh, okay. okay. Um, because yeah, me and Carrie latched onto that of like, well, you were reading the Wall Street Journal yeah. rather than doing your job. So yeah. You very much do look like the kind of guy yeah. who follows politics, and he um, does because when uh, later on, when Moore's spoilers is going on the to do her private striptease for Burt Reynolds, yeah. and he, she goes, "What's the name is Barbara Bush?" and uh, yeah, and, and he replies, "I'm George or whatever." Yeah, and I was like, "You do know a fucking <laughs> George politics. Bush Jr. and Jeb Bush." <laughs> <laughs> you do know Ben. You're a you're a multifaceted character. You're a liar. You're more than meets the eye. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's ingenious. Maybe it's it's Ving playing with expectations of he he as like a hulking black man. He's assuming that people will profile him mm-hmm. and stereotype him when in fact he is like a yeah yeah he's like a political like wonk. Next note: legs of extras. So there's like a dialogue scene in in the strip club, and I was just thinking about how terrible the dancing is, and I was like, this would be like a ride to be like an extra in this movie and so it's like okay yeah your legs are going to be over Vingram's shoulder so what we need you to do is just shift your weight from one foot to the other because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh this is like a, a truly bizarre movie and just the more you focus on any little detail the weirder it gets one such detail Demi Moore is informed like did you know this gentleman and like someone's basically taking a mug shot of Jerry on the slab, yeah, like Jerry's corpse. Um, <laughs> well, that's um, and I guess this is my last one of my last notes. That's the lieutenant, right? Yeah, and yeah. He becomes the lead male. Yeah, I kind of just want to talk about him for a moment because I I didn't recognize I kind of recognize the actor. Um, I was like, hey, who's this? I'm sure I've seen again. Maybe I've seen you in The Sopranos or something. Uh, his character and his performance is terrible and weird. His strange Christopher Walken mixed with Jersey dialogue. Uh, yeah, you rather, got it. Yeah, it's so weird and stilted. And um, I was just like, I I was mesmerized at how bad it was. And um, yeah, <laughs> I, 
I was like, if again, it was enough. If he was around in more of the fun bits, I guess. But he was so. This is like I, I was going to get into probably in the second half or when we look through the winners. That this him and Moore seem to be in a different film. Yeah, they seem to be taking this really fucking seriously. Yeah. Um, whereas I've got like Burt Reynolds and Ving just having fun and chewing the scenery. Yeah. And his performance is so fucking bad. And we haven't even spoke about the tenant. He comes into it such a well because he's point. yeah because he like you said he just enters like kind of halfway through the movie and then he's almost in every scene. Yep. And so what we're speaking about with the opening with like Demi Moore just hitting you with so much exposition of like. I was a secretary for the FBI and I've lost my kid. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Uh, like her first five lines are just pure undiluted exposition mm-hmm. and like poorly written of just like, there's no redundant words in that set. It's like, she's like the opening scroll from Star Wars. 100%. She's just like hitting you. And Christopher Walken is like that as well. He's just, he crops up in scenes either to deliver new information or to basically summarize what Demi Moore has just done. I was like, you, so you're telling me that the congressman <laughs> is blackmailing you about your daughter um, crazy. And yeah, it's just absolutely fucking insane. But so I, I'm glad you identified him as Christopher Walken because again, great minds think alike. It was bothering, bothering Carrie. She was like, who is this guy? And we were speaking about like, recasting the movie. She was like, oh, like the guy, I can't remember, you know. And then it was in his third scene or something. He opens the door and just the cut of his hair and his kind of mannerisms is like, oh my God, it, it, it's Walken. And she was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's it. Because he is just like B-list Christopher Walken. It's incredible. I, I I had to look him up because it wasn't one of those like I don't recognize you. I, I like I say I could have seen you in like The Sopranos or something, but I was just like, who is this guy? Like, why have I not recognized him before? Who, who the fuck's this? And his name's um Armand Asante. Is is how he's pronounced? I think. Oh and, yeah, he's quite prominently billed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I've just I've never heard of you. Why? And you know, he's a very prolific actor, done a lot of TV and movies. But in the previous fucking year, he was in a certain Stallone mega blockbuster. Oh, of course. He's Rico in Judge Dredd. And um, okay. Stallone's evil clone brother. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Um, and I was like, fuck, so he is. <laughs> and I was like, I would never have never have thought that in a million years. Before we before we hit on on Christopher Walken, Kyra was like, this guy reminds me of someone. I was like, Sylvester Stallone, like... Uh... <laughs> Like Ray Liotta, like Stallone, like he's, yeah, he's Stallone mixed with Walken. So yep. casting him as, yeah, but 100%. I haven't seen Judge Dredd, but oh, I can totally see the. Wait till we uh, get to that special. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like Judge Dredd. Um, of course you do. I, it's, 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 it was my introduction. Um, the reason I hate Rob Schneider, though, as well. So mixed feelings on it, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. So we're back in the strip club and there's a bunch of sailors in the audience in their outfits. And I was just waiting for them to go into like no dames from Hail Caesar. <laughs> um, I was waiting for the big dance number where Channing Tatum's going to re- lead these guys in like a little a little song and dance. But, but alas, it does not happen. We, we do, however, get a, a, the introduction of another side character who sort of sent Carrie spiraling we get the Israeli nurse 
Ariel Sharon <laughs> is <laughs> is a a member of the the strip club ensemble. And she's like, "What? Hang on, did I hear that right? Is is that mm. Ariel Sharon? Is is there an Israeli nurse?" Which is actually in the trivia. The character Ariel Sharon is a reference to the Israeli politician Ariel Sharon. <laughs> so, thank you, thank you, very nice. But apparently, I I wasn't aware. But apparently, Ariel Sharon references were a big thing during the nineties. Like, uh, there's one in Die Hard, and yeah, mm-hmm. he just sneaks into sneaks into random pieces of media. Apparently, where you least expect him, including as a stripper in the Eager Beaver. But yeah, so, just one of the many. Is uh, is Ariel the one with the snake? Uh, no, no, I can't remember what Ariel's gimmick is, but she's not the one with she's, the snake. She's Israeli. Um, yeah, um, she's uh, a rabbi. Yeah, so we then sort of start going, and this is where I, this is where we might not learn it, but I certainly learned like Robert Patrick is an informant for the FBI. So previously, I was like. This guy, like this guy, works for the FBI seriously, like because that's your workplace comedy of how they met is like I don't know he's an FBI agent, she's a secretary, whatever. You maybe you maybe do your Skyfall and they meet in the field. She's his money penny, and maybe maybe there's a scene where she shaves she shaves Robert <laughs> Patrick and she tells him to grow the tash. But when we learn that he's an informant and that's why he sort of has something on the judge and they want to keep him sweet, that's where things begin to make most sense. Um, but by this fucking point, I think I think Demi Moore has got her kid back. Yeah, she she kidnapped or um, the kid even asks, that's uh, not snatched. Um, yeah. You're going to snatch me? No, it's something. I yeah. can't remember what line is. And she's like, oh, yeah, how do you know that word? Did your daddy teach you that? Um, yeah, yeah. So she kidnaps her own child. I, I don't know if it's at that point. Again, this is where everything's just fall. Like this is my problem. Everything's just falling into place, so I can get towards the end of the movie. I was yeah. like, Mister Handsome, Rico is gonna team up. And they're gonna, you know, thwart Robert Patrick, and then they're gonna take down the Congressman Burt Reynolds. It's just how do we get there? What steps do we need to fucking take to get there? What scenes do I need to sit through to get there? So. Yeah, I, I didn't. I really didn't enjoy the stuff with the kid either. It just slowed everything right down for me, and I just well, I wanted it to get a move on. Well, yeah, it just it, it sucks all the momentum out of the movie because if if her journey is meant to be like getting her kid to have her get her kid halfway through, and for then the objective to kind of shift to like. I'm doing all the same things, but my goal is now just keeping my kid. It just doesn't make sense, and it just like kicks the legs out from underneath this mm-hmm. movie. But we learn that Robert Patrick's an informant in because you get a little bit earlier on. He's involved in some wheelchair, like he steals wheelchairs. Yeah, he steals wheelchairs. Um, for, <laughs> like, dresses up as a doctor yeah. and like sneaks into hospitals, steals them, and then resells them. I believe is, and he does this in a nice little like father daughter column as well, which was quite fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I was like, again, I'm up for more of the shenanigans and some of this little silly side plots. It's the actual main crux of the film that I just don't give a fuck about. Well, when when it's throwing so much stuff at you earlier on and you get them stealing wheelchairs, I was like, oh, this is like quite an absurd kind of like con. Like this is almost like a 
sort of like Cohen-esque caper or like Infinite Jest, the Quebecois cell of terrorists. There's something to do with like a wheelchair there. Like, so that's why I was like, oh, I can see this working in the novel where they probably devote a little bit more time to mm-hmm. this sort of like absurd crime syndicate. But in the movie, it's just like fucking stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really didn't didn't appreciate it. But zooming through, so Judge Judge Fingerhut gets done because he has a heart attack in a yep. porno theatre or something. Yep, that's exactly He's doing it. a Pee Wee Herman and uh, he has a heart attack. So. Re, uh, Lieutenant Rico is all like, it, it, he delivers all this exposition as well with like a yeah. fucking dead serious face. You we know, don't get to see it. Like, know, that would know, be a great... Fucked, you know, um, because, yeah. you know, the judge had a heart attack in a porno theatre. And I was like, yeah. nah, like, you can't stop delivering this with a straight face. You know, like, yeah. like, deliver it like Sandler would or something. Like, what the fuck am I watching here? Better yet, show don't tell. Show us that scene of <laughs> I, I want to see I want to see him. And then next note, colour of bodies, everyone is very red in this. Mm-hmm. And so this is maybe where we discuss your backdrop, which is Burt Reynolds is like oiled up and he's oiled what? up and sunburnt in a <laughs> in his boxers, a leather waistcoat, cowboy hat, and a wig. I I, I just want to take a moment to talk about Burt. Because yeah. I don't think I, Burt Reynolds is a, a Razzie legend that you know yeah. we haven't really encountered him too much. We're different fans of Burt in different ways. I think we spoke about it before. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I have to say I I love Burt in this. I loved his Yosemite Sam accent. I yeah. loved I loved his wig. I loved his son. I I loved his performance. He had so much fun in this. Yeah, um, he was chewing through the scenery. He was absolutely just making the most of every moment he was on screen if, if burt reynolds wasn't in this film i would have really disliked it if this if, if, if armand rico or whatever the fuck he's called was you know if he's casted differently i would have fucking hated this um yeah. i just i really want to tip my hat to burt and i want to thank him for, for making this a lot more enjoyable i think him and robert patrick and to an extent ving or the, the fellas, just, the fellas. Yeah. Well, I mean, there for again for for a, a film where I was expecting showgirls. There isn't much women in this other than Moore. Um, there's all, Moore. There's Ariel Sharon. There's yeah, Urbana Sprawl. There's there, a Snake Woman. There's there's, <laughs> there's um, strippers in it, but they barely do anything other than strip and strip. babysit and talk, yeah. you know have terrible odd lines. You know, none of them yeah. have characters or personal. No. The only time, and this is my Women side. aren't interesting, Kyle. <laughs> Recording the day after International Women's Day. Women aren't interesting. They're there to be looked at. It's men who are... Um, and like, and that's it. And some of the men as well, are t- Armand Hassan is terrible. Anyone other than those three <laughs> men I mentioned are pretty fucking shit. So, I, but anyway, I've got one more note and then speedball towards the end have anything else it is the yeah. girl with the snake because this yeah. is my, my second laugh as well so she yeah. has a, a python named monty which made me smile yeah. you know as a brit and the snake dies Didn't get that yeah, yeah. <laughs> the snake very dies sad, very sad very sad very sad owner mr beaver sends ving out to get a, a snake at the 24-hour reptile snake store which i don't know if yeah. it's a real florida thing but i assume it is <laughs> she'd have um, asked <laughs> she'd have asked and so she's got to perform with it. She doesn't notice any difference either because she's dumb, I guess. You know, it's maybe it must yeah. be the exact same size and color and scaling or whatever. Yeah. But um, when she's dancing on stage with this new Monty on her, and it yeah. just starts choking her, and yeah. uh, she's just kind of like flailing, dancing, and like stepping about with getting 
choked to death by a snake and the crowd are going wild as well because i think they, what what a performance what an act i think was someone shouts out and I, I i laughed i don't know why i just thought this is surreal yeah. this is weird why am i watching yeah. who is this person why is, what's the subplot got to do with anything what's this got to do with fucking moore's kid and you know a senator congressman yeah. whatever dead bodies so that was my second laugh and that is my final note until the finale because everything from this kind of point is just get a fucking move on armand go fucking just get there go help out go just do this moore like do your private performance for Bert, you know get to it again it, it, it's kind of lynchian the the python death thing of like um I, you you could see it in blue velvet we've got we've got congressman delbeck is the frank from blue velvet or maybe not directly lynchian but you know ryan gosling's directorial debut lost river mm-hmm. where he's just rips off david lynch and there's a weird sort of like burlesque bar there where women pretend to kill themselves on stage and they get locked inside sort of glass cubicles while Ben Mendelssohn dances around them. You could sort of see that weird, like, someone's going to pretend to be killed by a python on yeah. stage. But I thought, I, I, I'm I, maybe, um, I don't know if this is suggesting, you're always saying you've got to think like a hack, that's the key to Razzie's. I don't know if I'm thinking too much like a hack or not enough like <laughs> a hack, where I was like, okay, this snake is going to be pertinent to the plot. We're not going to, like, there's no time for the hearings. We can't see Congressman Delbert get impeached. Death. Death is the only release from striptease because this movie is fucking interminable. It's been going on so long. I was like, he needs to be killed. Everyone bad in this film needs to be killed because we we don't have time to resolve these things. So I was like, oh, he's going to get murdered by the snake or something. That's, that's, what, that's what I mean. And just get fucking... On. I actually had to watch this in two parts because... I was watching it. I was taking notes. I was having fun. I was like, "This is fucking insane." I don't. I didn't expect this, and I, I just stopped to go out for a smoke or something. Paused it, and I still had forty minutes left. And yeah, my, my heart. That's sunk. almost. That's <laughs> almost the exact same spot at which we had it because I was like, "I'm just going to check the time because it's like if we're not the halfway point, I'm going to scream." Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, "Cool," you know. I was like, "You know," I, I just I was like, "Oh, it's going to wrap. I'll come back fifteen minutes. It'll wrap up." You know. It's, the bish bash bosh all done and uh, my heart sunk and i just thought I, I can't do this right now i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it uh, the next day so I, I watched it in the morning because yeah I just, I, uh, and i've never done that on that we i watched inchin <laughs> all the way through i can watch anything all the way through um, yeah this just it broke me at this point I, um, I mean for crying out loud we watched absolute proof in a single sitting <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. So next, n- next notes. As I um, as I had identified, uh, or a- as I mentioned earlier, Carrie was very critical of the 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 dancing and the realism there, and her she said the monkey is the best dancer out of all of them. <laughs> the monkey was later superseded by the dolphins when we get we get a Sea World scene. Really? We don't get the owner. He doesn't go to Sea World, like, but we get to see dolphins. I thought that, I thought that was a link to that. Um, I yeah. Thought, I thought she was going to be there meeting up with. Lieutenant Rico, and then and know, then he's gonna be in the back, be back just of a newspaper, <laughs> you know, and a uh, newspaper download to cover. Yeah, you know, yeah. I thought it was gonna be a Troy McClure. I'm going to Sea World. Um, yeah, I got so excited, but not totally. Just missed it's just, opportunity. It's just that where we can film at Sea World because it's cheap, or we got like a deal or something, and you know, or we're there anyway. I I really yeah. fucking don't know. Next quote: Robert Patrick says. They never execute a daddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
I can't remember in the context. He's speaking about he's speaking about stealing back his kid or something, or he's speaking about potentially committing some crime, and that's what he says. But okay. good to know if you're ever in Florida, they will not execute a father. Next quote, Congressman Dildo. Oh, yeah. Because I, I struggled with being being a hack that sees the world in terms of references. I was like, okay, this congressman, who is he meant to be? Because I was like, on the one hand, he kind of has the Lindsey Graham Southern repressed homosexual thing going on. Florida, maybe there's a bit of Bush mixed in, but he's almost a little bit Biden. He's almost a little bit, a little bit Joe. So in my in my picture, you can see him unconsensually touching Demi Moore, and he um, is so uh, enamored with her that he kind of stutters. Please meet you, Jack. My name is Congressman Con 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 Dildo, ma'am. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Congressman Congressman Dildo got uh, got a laugh out yeah. of me. I'm ashamed to say. Yeah, no, I got got a smile. It didn't get to the, you know, it wasn't a woman getting choked by a python on stage laugh for me, but um, it did yeah. get me again. I was any moment. Bert's kind of just having fun. I'm having fun. Um, yeah, like there's no direction. There's no him he's he's directing himself here got that mixed match like you say of what like he's probably meant to be representing or something but yeah no that's a that's a good line and then we can race towards the end so no chair don't remember what that was about uh trump there is a reference to donald trump um mm -hmm. through a line dialogue and alligator so carrie was like glaring by their emissions are alligators because she's like i can't believe you have shot a florida movie and not included alligators and i was like that's gonna be it they're saving them it's chekhov's alligator or it's not chekhov's alligator because it hasn't been introduced but it's like an alligator is going to eat congressman dildo and that is i saw hook the other day and so that's going to be the ending is like he's just going to be swallowed by a massive alligator single gulp and yeah, then it's, it's, out it's occam's alligator isn't it it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we do not, in fact, get the alligator. Instead, we get like a we get a weird sting operation. Yeah. Where she's been recording Congressman Dildo while he speaks about like committing murder or whatever um whatever shenanigans he's been up to, and then she basically like uh she she blackmails Robert Patrick into signing a note um oh, that's it. to so release her she... daughter. Is just, I'll try and summarize it as quick as I can. Moore goes on a private striptease for Burt Reynolds to yeah. get him in a sting to catch him. She's not going to sleep with him. She's just going to catch him. Robert yeah. Patrick breaks into the boat at the same time, kills a man as well, watches um, <laughs> a man with a golf club to death. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd forgot about that because he he's he's broken his arm, and so he has the, the yeah, club as like a splint with his Ving, cast. Because Ving Rhames broke his arm earlier when uh, yeah. threatened Demi Moore, and that was a great little yeah. scene that I forgot about. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I like all this. I'm having fun at this. This is now the last ten minutes. I'm okay. I'm involved. Demi Moore takes Bert's gun, holds him hostage, and you know is going to take them away, and she makes him right to hand over custody of their child, and he's fucked. He's on, yeah. He's stoned. I think he does say he's stoned beforehand, and he's injured as well. So he's all over the place. And there's a great little throwaway line as well where Bert looks over, you know, while he's writing it, and he's, "You're not a well-educated man, are you?" And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love that. Um, I was like, "Oh my god, just give me more Bert and Patrick teaming up and having some shenanigans on screen." 
but yeah we are racing here so that's how we get the sting operation and that leads us to where the well the climax of the film takes place which is i can't remember um, it's it's in the it's in the like sugar processing plant that's it the sugar processing because burt reynolds is like is like hey lady you ever fucked on top of a pile of sugar darling <laughs> it's just like a, it, it, it's very weird and at some point i should have mentioned at some point demi moore kind of slips into doing his southern accent yeah as well. um, i we'll get to moore yeah i haven't yeah, really yeah. spoke to her but we'll, definitely strange acts i think it's i think she's just overwhelmed by his stage presence <laughs> she just sort of links in it's maybe our anne hathaway sex worker thing of like um, that's that's like a, a a thing that some people do is mirroring accents yeah. or like adopting things. So maybe in uh, in a profession when you spend so much of your time appeasing men, that's unnatural. She's like, I didn't learn how to dance, but I did learn that strippers will echo little details of yourself back to you or mirror you. But they're in the sugar processing plant. Like heavies get sort of like snowed under sugar. Police arrive. All very neat. It all wraps up incredibly quickly. Um, little bit of trivia for you. In the original trailer for the film, we see a low-angle shot of Ving Rhames and Pandora Peaks. That shot did not appear in the film because it took place during the original climax of the film. Climax was reshot after being shown to a preview audience. Originally, the field sequence took place in a sugarcane field. After preview audiences were uncomfortable with the scene, it was rewritten and reshot in the sugar shack. We still see the final shots of the original sequence that shows a character being taken away in handcuffs. So, oh yeah, yeah, okay, ah, okay. Um, I did think I did. I didn't know this was reshot, but I the ending was really comical. And there's a moment when Bert and his henchmen are, you know, they're piled in the sugar, you know, and they're apprehended. Yeah. And there's Ving, and there's Armand, and you know, everyone. It's very awkward. Everyone's just kind of standing around, like it's yeah. almost like a and scene you know like, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, i just i was like this is so fucking weird um why they're all so awkward and uncomfortable um so that kind of makes sense now that it's kind of hastily just fucking rewritten and let's wrap this up and do something different well that was insane to me when i discovered it so i was like okay so the ending i was like that isn't even the worst version of that ending <laughs> um that i could not conceive of something of this being the one where everyone signed off and like, yep, I think we nailed this one. <laughs> um, so that kind of concludes the film. Everything wraps up, happily ever after. And the, she like, her, the, yeah, she gets her daughter yeah, back. The strippers are playing jump rope with her with her daughter and they even bring her in for yeah. your like cast taking their bows <laughs> moment. Like we haven't acknowledged the scene where her daughter is like, mommy, like, I saw you dance because she sneaks out and watches her let's not get into it but it's just like there's so there's so much going on and then the end is just like every character is there yep strippers just run on like here's your daughter like we don't have time to shoot we've run out of budget and so everyone's gonna it's just yeah Annie Lennox play us out yeah um so the the Razzie nominations for this film okay so of course it won and then we had uh worst actress Demi Moore for the Jurer and Strip Tease. Oh, okay. So she um, she won. Okay. So um, as I will say in the second part, I've done my own little Razzie nominations. I've put together a nice little list. We'll get into the second half. I'm going to kind of commandeer and take over. 
when I was thinking of worst actress, I knew, I didn't know Moore won. I, I only knew this one won, the actual yeah. movie. It's the only award I, I was aware of, obviously, because that's why we're here. But I have yeah. Moore down as, I was like, they're going to put her down for striptease, obviously. Yeah. I thought they were going to double down with Hunchback and Notre Dame. Um, oh. Because that was the same year as well. And I remember yeah. it had a, a negative reception. Who is she? Is she Esmeralda? I can't remember. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is, yeah. It's a blackface voice performance yeah oh. yeah um but i was like, we I'm need not... to make this like uh like the problem with apu we're gonna make like the problem with esmeralda <laughs> but and i get disney plus to redub her i remember it being like you know in the disney renaissance it's hunchback was the one that was a bit colder received at the time and um i was like yeah. okay this is gonna she, she fucked up the only poorly received she's yeah. in the, one of the most poorly received of the disney renaissance and she's in striptease she's fucked yeah i didn't know she was in another film though yeah so this is well deserved because she is not good she's in this awful. movie. There's like I said before, it feels like she's in a different movie. She feels like yeah. she's she takes it so fucking seriously. Everything's delivered so wooden and it's just like it's because the film's so fucking zany, like I keep saying, and she's not. It's so it is poor. I mean, you just gotta call it. It's not indecent proposal levels here. I can't really defend it at all. Yeah, for someone who got like one-fourth of the film's budget for someone who was like the entirety of the marketing and like the strategy the draw she is dreadful like the only the only reason to see this is the hey she takes her clothes off yeah that's like it's a there in body but in nothing else present in body but not in mind performance Mm -hmm. where she's just uh, and because this semi ended her career, or yeah. not ended her career, but this was a well, she's not the, done she's not, as yeah. a leading woman. Yeah, and yeah, it's like I don't, I don't think like anyone deserves careers to be ended on the basis of of, of one thing. I, I, I don't, I don't like that. It's always sad to see, but like this performance is certainly dreadful. Mm-hmm. And so then. Burt Reynolds was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor as Congressman David Dilbeck. Congressman Dildo. So, on paper, I understand it, but personally, I strongly disagree. I, I <laughs> The only reason that kept me going is not Burt's greatest performance. He's not hit that levels for you yet but um yeah <laughs> i guess i guess yes technically objectively it's terrible and i understand its nomination but subjectively i i just loved it i had so much fun i was in all ready to shit on him because this is the year before boogie nights and so he's probably filming boogie nights as this is being released because i was just imagining like paul thomas anderson going to like see striptease one day like after shooting and just be like oh ee. um it, getting on the phone to warren <laughs> beating like warren um i just wanna, I want to i want to circle back about that playing jack horner thing i have a note a question here though sorry is he the only is armand also a support actor nope no nah, bullshit, bullshit armand, yeah. armand deserves it a million times over burt a million times. So you you have talked me around. I was ready to come in and attack Bert, but hearing you speak about him, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, if you replace him with someone who's having less fun, the movie suffers hugely mm-hmm. with someone who isn't like, yeah, not everyone could pull off the cowboy standing in their underwear like he does. And if the movie committed more to that tone, it would be more enjoyable. For sure. Worst screen couple, winner, Demi Moore and Burt Reynolds in striptease. Uh, they're 
only really on screen together. I don't really call the... them a couple. Um, no. I no. Um, I think that's just to give out another win. So yeah, no. Yeah, I'd agree. Certainly not deserving. Worst screenplay, Striptease screenplay by Andrew Bergman, based on the book by Carl Hiasson. So yeah, I I mean this I've said it so many times. It's like two very two very conflicting films. There's so many abundance of characters and little subplots. It's it's such a simple story, you know, plot that's so yeah. easy, and you've bogged it down with so much shit that um, <laughs> it's hard It's hard not to have a go at the writers or the screenplay at this. Yeah, um, completely agree. Without looking at what it was competing against, entirely deserved dreadful screenplay. And the final, final nomination is in fact a win for Worst Original Song, Pussy Pussy Pussy, parenthesis, Whose Kitty Cat Are You? <laughs> from Striptease, written by Marvin Montgomery. Is that the cat dancing song? Because I don't remember um, that. I only remember Annie Lennox and... <laughs> I don't think we see what the cat dances to, but I remember Carrie speaking about some pussy song, and so I think that comes later on. Probably not bad enough to stand out. So, yeah. So, do you believe this was Razzie-worthy? Bits of it are. It was a lot more entertaining. Even though I don't like it, I wouldn't recommend it. There was enough bits in it to keep me going, even though I had to watch it in two halves. (laughs) The most damning indictment you could get. Right, so I think it's, it's perspective as well. As I said, I've compiled my own little list ready for the actual ceremony and i would watch this over a lot of them this is a terrible year this is a great year but it's a terrible year and i've yeah. seen so many movies from 96 that this would just fall in the middle if you took away the controversy it would be quite forgettable it wouldn't kill careers it would just exist it's not the worst it's not the worst thing we've ever watched i won't forget it apart from the third act really so mixed opinions on it really mixed opinions about you? I think this is the most cut and dry, one of the most cut and dry, and like 100%. This is just like a complete like farce. What is going on? There's so much. Like this is just like the prototypical Razzie movie I would I would hold up as here's what you go in. You go with this sort of expectation and then you're just presented with madness. I get, uh, <laughs> again, I, this came out and not any other year but when i was going through 96 i was like oh my jesus christ um yeah so comparatively like, it's comparatively they're probably worse films there is much much more there's i have a list of worse films here and i have a list of films that mr razi probably will pick on as well so i'm very curious to see how my picks are but yeah. i've also gone in the mindset almost of myself here yeah like not so much mr razi and uh, this is yeah. a, this is a mr razi pick this is not a, what i would pick yeah like i can i can maybe see a version of this film that works as kind of like a david o russell style like political satire like you know accidental love mm-hmm. you know that movie mm-hmm. The one that David O. Russell shot, like he shot before, like shot before, like Silver Linings Playbook, and um, like I think The Fighter and everything. It's one of his like I Heart Huckabees style movies that then got released after he became the Oscar guy, and it's got like Jake Gyllenhaal in it and Jessica Biel, and it was yeah, it was probably shot in the Jessica Biel time. That's how you date the movies. You're like Jessica Biel's a leading woman. This had to have been made in 2007, specifically. Mm-hmm. But it was like a dreadful movie that was released like 10 years after like it was shot. But you can kind of see like, oh, this is commenting on like the American healthcare system and corruption in politics. And there is a version of striptease that is more satirical that I think you could make. 
but tying into smallest change you could make to improve this movie. Um, you said it. Two yeah, movies is that two your... movies? Just cut it and ha- yeah, have your yeah. have your zany comedy with Ving and his monkey and strippers and the yeah. owner goes to Sea World and Monty Python the snake kills and all the all the fun stuff I enjoyed, and then have your miscongeniality sort of other side of the film where you've got to take down a congressman pick a tone the simplest one probably the simplest just to improve it slightly would probably recast the lieutenant that oh. would that would go along with sylvester way. stallone <laughs> anyone, anyone you're gonna do robert, you're gonna robert do... patrick and dual roles you know like um give me, give i was gonna that. say you're you're gonna do the imaginarium of dr parnassus <laughs> where like every alternate scene he's played by stallone or christopher walken just unacknowledged and i guess even moore you know if someone else played this um yeah that's a simple 100%. That, that's a simple little solution it would save you some money as well i um, can't believe you've i can't believe you've got me for little changes and your solution is i'm gonna make an entire other movie an additional movie <laughs> um, uh, but i i don't fundamentally disagree i think it is just structurally this doesn't work no it doesn't and i think you need to like it needs to be that perspective into there needs to be that audience surrogate of demi moore has to turn to stripping because she's like well i'm not gonna get another job at the fbi i guess there's nothing but stripping and that's what i'm saying if you had a different actress play it or slightly change some bits to make her more likable and relatable and if you're rooting for moore in the slightest might have made it a bit better but like yeah it's the smallest changes i can think of other than just fucking make two movies <laughs> yeah and because like the congressman dildo attack needs to not happen within the first three minutes we need to just be a little bit slower this is like i'm gonna go with a stripping metaphor here this is just like it goes from zero to 100 and it's just grinding on you immediately and you're like what's start off a little slower yeah, you know like yeah exact, exactly <laughs> there we go exactly. so this concludes our striptease talk and join us in the second half when we will be opening the can of worms which is 1996 i absolutely can't wait see you then guys welcome back to the second half of watching worst films where as ever we're going to be discussing the other movies from the year of 1996 And so, as we touched upon in the end of the last part, this is quite a big year for bad cinema. Unbelievable. So, you've compiled a short list. Just a little short list. I went, um, not every single category, but all the major ones. Because I I just, all right, so also as well, like, this would have been, like, peak rental time when I was, like, from 6 to 10. (laughs) I've seen everything from 96. It's, like, shocking amounts, you know, just because it was a movie to watch every week when you had to. So, just a little... Com- compilation really just seen it I, d- I don't expect these to come through because mr razi's a hot but um yeah. i i think some are kind of there's no way you can avoid it so yeah without further ado let's uh take away starting off with worst picture of course the razi winner was strip tease but right so um i have about 10 here yeah <laughs> there's a few i was i was a bit like ah, i don't want them to pop up but they might pop up because i enjoy them but i'm also trying to think a little bit like 1996 and like yeah. the reception and stuff and was not so obviously strip tease is here and it's the winner the one i have which absolutely in my opinion, is a much worse film, and I would rather watch Striptease over it, is Biodome, the 1996 uh-huh. vehicle with Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. So I'm going to tell you that wasn't even nominated. It wasn't even nominated. Not for picture. Oh, my word. Okay. Um. Oh, wow. All right. So next up, I have a little side note here as well. The worst 
film, I think, from 1996, which did get a theatrical release. I did look it up. was a film called Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Um, in his little brief <laughs> Hollywood run. I don't think this will come up here, though, because no one went to see it. It had a brief theatrical run. It is awful. I have kind of nostalgic memories about it, but it's, it's sort of like a little star. I don't expect that. So moving on, I have Francis Ford Coppola's Jack, starring Robin Williams. Oh, uh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I've seen this film. I've seen it a lot when I was a kid. I didn't know it was Francis Ford. I, I hated it when I was a kid as well. Like even with its... It's weird. It's, it's disturbing. Weird. To, it's, disturbing. it's a bad introduction to mortality it for a child. Not, yeah. not a good film. Not a really good film at all. So is that there? Because I, I feel that's guaranteed. Nope. nope. No. Okay. Oh, we're getting surprising already. Next up, I have... I don't know if again this is another one that's forgotten about i just don't expect to see it it's the matt leblanc vehicle ed starring him and a monkey is that there at all because i rented that as a kid and i fucking hated it <laughs> yeah ed is there ed yes okay one there yeah. yeah i i had a bad run with matt leblanc when i was a kid i seen ed on video and i uh, went to the cinema to see lost in space yeah so i just had i had a bad run ed sucks even as a kid, it sucked. So I'm glad, glad to see that one there. Now, this is where I'm getting a bit like, I'm trying, I'm not sure if they're going to be here. I have Hellraiser 4. No. See, I love Hellraiser 4. I've spoken about it before, Hellraiser in space. But it yeah. was terribly received at the time. So I kind of thought, I'm not sure with that one. I have the Pamela Anderson vehicle barbed wire. Ding, 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 ding. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Notoriously bad, entertaining, yeah. fun. I didn't see that when I was a kid. That was a bit older when I seen barbed wire. <laughs> Pamela obviously isn't the actress that, you know, a lot of people would want her to be. Next up, what do I have here? I have the Steven Seagal Wayans team up of the glimmer man no oh that's surprising and i thought i thought cigar was yeah. a certainty here that's a weird intersection yeah yeah uh, it's not a good year so i have a note here it's not a good year for any of my beloved action stars the glimmer man's the uh, <laughs> start of the downturn for cigar and getting towards straight to dvd he's got a co-star he's got keenan ivory wayne's yeah. it's not he can't do a lethal weapon he can't do the buddy cop he's not it's not a good film it's, it's i always said it needs to be classic 80s action or the 90s weird ones this is the slide so on yeah. that note i kind of expected to see either arnie's eraser or stallone's daylight as well no no, no. okay again not i'm gonna it. say from what i can recall i don't think eraser is one of my favorite shorts eraser's not, i don't think eraser's not great. and Dale, i'm not even going to defend daylight i've seen it a couple of times I, it's not a good Stallone film. It's really forgettable. I watch it yearly, but I'm not going to say it's a good film. <laughs> so like, that's what I'm saying. Everyone here is, everyone's not doing well. Seagal, Stallone, yeah. Schwarzenegger are all on. Which also, another of my beloved, I thought Kurt Russell's, and I know it won't be, but I thought he's had a bad year. He had an executive decision and escape from LA. Uh, yeah, LA. No. So I was worried about them, but I didn't, didn't expect them. I kind of expected to see the cable guy pop up because I remembered how badly received it was. Yeah. Uh, is it there? No. No, no, no. But I thought the Jim Carrey hate as well from Mr. Razi. I thought this yeah, was the yeah. time to strike. What it's weird how he's got, like, he's got Robin Williams and he's got Jim Carrey who they're at their weakest you could ever be. Like, these are the, like, if you're going to criticize them at all, these would probably be for, like, Jack, certainly. 
Yeah. But this is the year that he's kind of like, kind of gives them a path. I have, I don't know if you've seen this one, uh, the Ted Danson vehicle Loch Ness. No. Oh, oh it's, it's local hero in Inverness with Ted Danson. It's so right up your alley. <laughs> Does he go to a Cali game? Did... <laughs> uh, they were, yeah, they were still in the Highland. No, they weren't. They were two years old. Yeah. <laughs> I have, okay, so I'm kind of wrapping up now. The only other one I expected maybe to see pop up but also because it's pretty bad is kazam not shazam the uh shaquille <laughs> o'neal vehicle no no okay right so what okay that's my contenders and i thought jesus christ that's a lot of shit there so uh we got we had um bio biodome wasn't there was it, it was barbed wire yeah it was barbed wire and ed so okay. you got wow. like two out of four so um, yeah, biodome's no. worse biodome's the worst one though i i i intensely dislike biodome i watched biodome in preparation for this and it was dreadful biodome is maybe one of the most annoying films it i have ever watched absolutely like the only there's two things that are ever good to say about biodome introducing tenacious d it's yeah. a trivia everyone loves and it being filmed in like a biodome i really like the yeah. sets and when yeah. the sets are the best fucking thing about it, no film has got under my skin so much as fucking Biodome. I um, agree, yeah. So, I, and like even compared to, you know, I would say Jack's maybe my runner-up here, and then Ed would have been my top three, but Biodome, Jack and Ed are bad films. Biodome is infuriating. So mm. I cannot believe it's not there. Do you think, speaking about how it was like, you said it was shot in actual biodome do you think they just did it for real and that was how they got financing was like listen we will essentially imprison Polly Shore in a biodome for nine months yeah. granted he's then the film's going to be out but he will not be in the world for exactly. almost a year he's um, going to be out of sight out of mind <laughs> well, like it's, it's cool I mean I remember we, I watched the documentary about the real biodome or whatever it was called yeah. and, and I was like oh it does look like a cool place to film you know I'd go film yeah. my Star Trek Next Gen episodes there. That yeah. sounds, that's cool. Um, I hate that. I hate that film so much. And I would rather watch Striptease than Biodome. So that's what I was meaning <laughs> when you were asking, is it the worst? It's it's unnominated, but but no. Yeah, we want to take away the ones I missed out. So, The Stupids. Are you aware yeah. of The Stupids? I'm not aware of The Stupids. What if I told you it was based on a series of books and it was directed by father of max landis john landis <laughs> um okay I, then I, I i mean 96 john landis is close to blues brothers 2000 isn't it um no i've i've never seen it never even heard of it the film follows a fictional family of the stupids with the last name synonymous with their behavior the story begins with patriarch stanley stupid believing sender from letters mark returned to sender is a wicked man planning a conspiracy okay sounds i don't know maybe sounds... i should check that one out maybe but, maybe, um, maybe i'll be all right and then we have the island of dr moreau yeah so i left this one off because yeah. i didn't think it would pop up i thought really I I, well no i i mean i haven't seen it in about 10 years i i didn't like it yeah i think brando is going to be nominated um, i am yeah. him in my not in, I, it's not okay it's not brando's finest hour yeah. um but i was i was just i didn't think it was going to be here and again i would watch over biodome ed jack you know there's kazam the glimmer man even like there's a lot more films i would have put over it so it's just it missed the cut for me I, I I don't like the island of Dr. Moreau and I think 
I would have I would have bet on that being included just for the narrative angle of Richard Stanley, the trouble production of Richard Stanley leaving and being mm-hmm. replaced by Frankenheimer. I think that's something that would make like the red tops in the nineties and Mr. Raz would be like, uh-huh, okay. So this is this is how I grasp at relevance. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it, it's a bad film, well-deserved nomination in my eyes. Then we have Ed, which we've covered. Then we have Barb Wire, which I also watched in preparation for this. And yeah, I I really didn't like it. No, Barb Wire is not good. I guess the reason yeah. I'm saying it's not good. Yeah. It's again, it's just under. But I'm I'm saying it's just under fucking Santa with muscles and biodome, you know. It's um, yeah. You're really getting into the nitty gritty of like worse category here. Like it's more comparable to me than like striptease. There's more elements I like about striptease than I do about barbed wire or fucking Jack. So that's that was my point. See, the weird thing is barbed wire for me seems more competent than striptease. Like I, I it's hard for me to tell which one I like less. I would say it's probably barbed wire because it's just boring. Exactly, but it it does seem like it, it's cohesive in that it just seems like a movie that fully stepped out of like a fourteen year old boy's imagination, and like I don't know, there were kind of interesting Mad Maxy elements. Yeah, no, the there's, end there's certain with... there's certain elements I could like, but again, it's like saying the biodome. It's like oh yeah, I like some of the locations, and I like some of the you know set yeah towards the end. But I'm you're really fucking grasping at straws here, you know, like. It's just funny because it's set in the far off dystopian future of 2017, <laughs> and like fleeing to Canada is like the like that's the thing that drives the plot mm-hmm. is we've got to get to Canada. So that just made me wonder like, is this a Trump piece? <laughs> is this like is Trump just in the shadows? Is he the villain of barbed wire? And that's why everyone they're all just like American liberals being like. Well, so long, I'm off to Canada. Well, that's it. I mean, I escaped from LA. I can't remember. That's 2014, I think it's set. So oh, like, it's, uh, yeah. everything's in the near distant future. It's a very late night yeah. thing. Like, it recurs yeah. a lot. That concludes that category. So moving on to worst actor. All right. Do you want to hit me with yours? So winner, I have Polly Shore. He is the worst actor by a mile. He, he's insufferable. I'm not yeah. a Polly Shore fan. So I... I Assume Biodome not being here, he's not going to be here, so that breaks my heart. Next up, I have Shaq for Kazam because Shaq is not a leading man. I have Robin Williams for Jack. I have Matt LeBlanc for Ed. I have Paul Hogan for Flipper. If you ever remember Flipper, the free Willie knockoff with the dolphin. The I remember the wood. VHS box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I rented that a lot. Paul Hogan is. I mean, I love Crocodile Dundee. A Flipper ain't it, son. There's a few that when i was looking up in 96 i was like oh shit yeah travolta might get might get a pick because he was in michael oh yeah and that's a (laughs) a strange fucking film i I remember watching that 10 years ago as well and uh, yeah this post pulp fiction pre-battlefield earth travolta is um very strange one so yeah that's it i'm going with Polly Shore, shaq robin williams matt leblanc and paul hogan with an honorable mention to Ted Danson, but I didn't imagine he'd be here. You're one for five. Oh, Jesus. It's it's like an all-star lineup where some of them have sort of moved on. Some of the stars have risen, but they were all sort of like quite big. So I can't believe you missed this. Sylvester Stallone in Daylight yeah, well, is I, Kit Latira. If I was miss- if I was thinking like a fucking hack, I'd have picked him. Yeah, right? if you're but, trying to guess. If, you're, like, if you weren't no, doing your no own. No way yeah. Stallone's performance is worse than fucking 
Mark LeBlanc. Paulie Shore. Yeah, Paul oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no way in hell. I, I'm tempted to watch Daylight because Viggo Mortensen's in yeah, that. Yeah, Daylight, I like Daylight, him, Daylight's so. not... It's, like, uh, Stallone in the movie. I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking your opinion on not, anything, Sylvester Stallone. Like if I said, said, it's not the worst film, but it's a bad Stallone film. Okay, yeah. if I'd said to you, like, I'm thinking of watching Stop or My Mum Will terrible. Shoot, you'd be like, yeah, it's you know, it's terrible. not... <laughs> yeah. like, if it's not Cliffhanger, you know... No, I, I think some 90s Stallone gets bad raps. Daylight's very forgettable. It's only so much you can do in a tunnel. So, yeah. <laughs> what a line. <laughs> <laughs> then we have, ready to throw hands over this, Sandman, Adam Sandler in Bulletproof and Happy Gilmore ah. as Archie Moses, Archie Moses and Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I'm ready, so, to throw, throw, I'm ready to throw down. Have you seen Bulletproof? I watched Bulletproof for this oh, because okay. he's uh, my boy and I was like, I need to comment on this because Happy Gilmore is like great. Not my favourite of like the heavyweights like Waterboy, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. I always preferred like Billy Madison and Waterboy. So when I was uh, eight, nine, when I was in my Sandler element and I, I just gobbled up everything like that was in the VHS or I, even going overboard, I, I rented that airheads so many times bulletproof fell into that category i I, i've seen bulletproof stupid amount of times it wasn't until i was a bit older i realized that you know happy gilmore and you know Waterboy were the ones i you know were my beloved ones bulletproof falls into that like what's it's a bit reminds me of nothing but trouble or the the um what's his name and blue streak um martin lawrence sort of yeah that sort of Buddy comedy, buddy midnight comedy, run, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. I remember Bulletproof really well. It isn't the finest hour for Sandler, and it's uh, what Wayne, Ah Wayne's brother in it as well. But yeah, no, like it's, it's a take over the glimmer, man. I'm not. I'm a Segalologist, so yeah, I not take it, especially for Happy Gilmore. You can get fucked at that. So I don't. I don't think the. I don't think the film Bulletproof is great. But I think. Um, I went in maybe with the expectations of Latter Day Sandman, where he just truly does not give a shit, and so surprised to see him like kind of bring his A game. Like he's yeah, present. He's charming. He's engaging, and like there are lots of like. The things I laughed at were all just kind of like Sandman, Sandman asides. Like there is a great scene to call back to the bodyguard where they're like, they're in a hotel room and he's sort of being like escorted by uh, Damon Wayans, and he's doing like he's singing "I Will Always yeah, Love yeah. You," but in the Sandman and I, yeah. I will always yeah, love you. <laughs> I, I and um, you know, that's a nice little. It is Damon Wayans, yeah. It's, so it's got that uh, yeah. you know the two SNL experienced veterans like they're fine their chemistry's fine as well um, yeah yeah like yeah no it's not a good Be- film it's sure as fuck better than Rob Schneider yeah exactly <laughs> it's Sandler not, it, and Rob Schneider it's not the best but it's not the worst it's one of the it, it's yeah. forgotten about for a reason um and and then we don't even need to say like Happy Gilmore is just like great one of the comedic performances of our age and it's one of his best it's one of his like most Compared to Billy Madison or even Waterboy, you know, Happy Gilmore straddles the line is best. So all round, it's the best probably. All it's your, you know, it's your revolver. It's your band on the run. It's your all round. That's yeah. That's the purest distillation of what makes Adam Sandler Adam Sandler. Like when you look at the qualities that Paul Thomas Anderson used in Punch Drunk Love, it is that sort of like bubbling anger. And I like a little bit more man-child naivety in in the mix, but the sort of like 
teetering on the brink of rage sandman that that is happy gilmore yeah, so 100 i uh don't don't agree with that keanu reeves in chain reaction as eddie kasalevich uh, i've not seen it actually so no, no comments so i have seen chain reaction watched it with my family on christmas day one year i think god knows how i think we just randomly started oh, was it me Anyway, for some reason, we decided to watch the 1996 movie Chain Reaction just out of the blue. Morgan Freeman's in it. It's not like, Keanu's not great, but he's playing like an American guy, so he's kind of in the pocket. It's not like Much Ado About Nothing or Dracula, where he's being like Mm -hmm. fundamentally misused or miscast. It's just, he's a bit stilted and uh, awkward. Yeah. And then we have the winners. So joint winners, Tom Arnold in Big Bully, Carpool and the Stupids as Roscoe, Fang Bigger, Franklin Laszlo and Stanley Stupid. Do you, are you familiar with Tom Arnold? um, Tom Arnold, I've never, well, for the record, I've never heard or seen any of those films. I only know Tom Arnold's in Roseanne. Yeah. That's it. That's what it. if I told you he made an uncredited appearance in Coneheads? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's that's not winning them round. <laughs> yeah, he was also in Austin Powers International Man of Mystery yeah. again, uncredited. He's one of those. <laughs> he's one of those I'm, I'm I'm aware of him, but I I can't I can't tell you things about him. Yeah, I I I know the name Tom Arnold, but I haven't seen anything to judge him by. But he shared the award with. A Mr. Polly Shore, Paul Montgomery Shore <laughs> in Biodome as 100%. Bud Macintosh. Fucking detestable. Like, yep. who would think, let's watch Polly Shore for 90 minutes? <laughs> yep, um, there's nothing There's nothing redeemable about it, especially in Biodome. It's so fucking insufferable. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, it's terrible all around. I'm fucking how he's winning here but biodome's not being nominated though can get fucked that's outrageous. i agree that makes me think he didn't watch the fucking thing but, yeah oh well well to be honest for once i'm not gonna blame him like why subject yourself to biodome if you don't have job. to so. <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on to worst actress okay hit me hit you so my winner i thought this was gonna be a set but now i'm not so sure um it's ellen degeneres in Mr. Wrong, mm-hmm. which is obviously her one and done only lead role, um, <laughs> tanked her career. I thought I thought that was a set when I was looking through them. I seen Mr. Wrong when I was like twelve or something. I remember my mum watching it and just being like, "What the fuck?" It's such a hateful, weird, creepy film as well. And then I have Miss Moore, obviously. Like I said yeah. before, I thought that was a strip tease and uh, Hunchback and Notre Dame double bill. So I thought she would have been. In the runner-up, I have Pamela Anderson for Barbed Wire. Mm-hmm. I thought Shelley Long for the very Brady sequel might pop up, but I was more confident that Madonna was going to pop up, our beloved Madonna for Evita, which is a role. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, I've seen Evita. I, I think it's her better performance. Yeah. But I thought she'd have been she'd have been hip here too. So I'm gone with Ellen DeGeneres, Demi Moore, Madonna, Pamela Anderson. You're you're two for five. Okay, okay. So we have Julia Roberts in Mary Riley as Mary Riley. So Mary Riley was something that I started watching for this but didn't have enough time. So I can offer you about 20 minutes of insight into Mary Riley just because it sounded like an interesting film. So it's 
Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with John Malkovich told via the perspective of his like maid servant, mm. Mary Riley. Kind of sounded interesting. And as is the case with the Razzies, it is not. Um, <laughs> and she is bad because she's doing like an Irish accent. Okay. It's, yeah, it, it, it's not good. And she's not good in it. So well deserved. Another Razzie favourite, Melanie Griffith in Too Much as Betty Kerner. Have you seen Too no, Much? Never even heard of it. So this was known as the, uh, the, the the film in which Antonio Banderas met Melanie Griffith, who th- they got married. It, it's a screwball comedy remake of a French film, and it appears to be <laughs> appears to be classic love triangle. If I told you the poster is Anthony Hopkins, Sa- Anthony Hopkins, Antonio Banderas <laughs> sandwiched between two blonde women, and the tagline is two number many women <laughs> so little time <laughs> um, um so uh yeah and then we have whoopi goldberg in bogus eddie and theodore rex as harriet franklin edwina eddie franklin and katie coltrane have you seen any of those i've seen theodore rex theodore rex doesn't count because it's a straight to video film it it's famous for being the most expensive straight to video film. Yeah. So is this is this the first time Mr. Razzie's broken yeah, his rules? Yeah, he broke his rule here. This is it's not Oscar eligible, <laughs> so it shouldn't be Razzie eligible. Um, I haven't seen the other two. Theodore Rex does suck. Um, there's like it's such a weird analogy on racism and with dinosaurs. Um, wow. I I think it's a film like you know maybe watching like clips on YouTube. It's worth it, but like. It's not good, and Whoopi famously hated it as well. It's coming off. Um, I, I you know I'm trying to think what else she was doing in this because it's a, a bunch of years past Ghost. Is this Ghost, Sister Act Two? Sister Act is this... in the con. Uh, even Star Trek Generations was a couple years before. So like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck she's up to. So I assume she was on her straight to DVD slide, uh, yeah. fucking about with Ted Danson and Inverness or something. <laughs> um, but yeah no i've never heard of bogus and what was the other one eddie eddie no no idea and then pamela anderson in barbed wire as barbara barbed wire kopetsky yep said it before pamela's not an actress she's not a leading lady so i probably had more interesting things to say about barbed wire but the the, the back-to-back double bill of watching striptease and i'm watching barbed wire <laughs> did not do good things for my brain and so all thoughts are gone it's interesting just to see her like i think my comparison was like it's kind of like she's kind of doing like a batman mm-hmm. i'm barb wire like oh, yeah. it's interesting to hear her put on the voice of like i'm barb tell all your friends like yeah it's it's really it's really not good and it makes you appreciate how good and even like moderately talented actor is <laughs> and then demi moore in The Juror and Striptease is Annie Laird and Erin Grant, of course. Yes. And now we're on to Worst Supporting Actor, which just looking at it might be the most Kyle <laughs> list of nominations in the history of the Razzies. Okay, I'm excited, so, I'm excited. Do you want to lead us into yeah. your, so uh, your shortlist? My list, right. So the winner, I think, only challenged by Armand Asante, who you've, who I now know didn't get even get a nomination. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have Stephen Baldwin for Biodome. Yeah, I think you know a lot of the hate goes to Polly Shore, and rightfully so. I'm not going to defend Polly in any way, but Stephen is just as much of a culprit. He is 
equally insufferable with his dumb moronic shtick that he does in it <laughs> um and his weird break dreadlocks and oh, i hate him in it i'm i'm not a baldwin brothers fan in the, any of them really but steven i can understand why his career nosedives he is awful um and especially because you know but like to make it better you you would rather have like a straight man you know you'd rather have the the spade to a farley or something so uh, i don't know i i see the bill and ted thing that they're trying to go oh, for no, but no but like bill and ted are both not the most unlikable human beings in the world you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I get it i get the wayne's world i get the bill and ted i get it but like if you've got a polish or you know like if you've got like, we talked about it with like bulletproof you know david wayne's is the straight man to sandler um like this is Oh, no, no, no. So Stephen Baldwin, dead set, a clear winner. I have Armand Asante, like I said. I've got Brando. I think that's as much as I'm a Brando fan and try and defend to the day I die. The phoned-in laziness of Island of Dr. Moreau is... (laughs) It's hard to defend. I almost was going to put his little co-star midget. Yeah. I don't know if that's the correct yeah. term anymore. It's certainly not, but I don't know what the correct term is. It's a, a very little person. But I thought, no, I think Brando will take it over him. I've got one here that I was a little bit, I, I don't agree with, but he's probably my least favourite part of the film. I have Sinbad for Jingle All The Way. I, I actually don't mind him that much, but like... I was like, oh, if they're gonna yeah. if they're gonna hate on Jingle all the way, I'd rather it was Sinbad over Phil Hartman, who's fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, show stealing, you know, he's amazing in it. The cookies, he steals oh, the show he, and he steals Arnie's <laughs> wife. He's just the best. Um, top tier <laughs> performance from him. Uh, yeah. I've got a little bit of an outsider one here. I have Bill Murray and Kingpin. Oh, okay. Because I haven't seen Kingpin in a while, and I was like, ooh, Randy Quaid, I'm not a fan of, but. You know, he serves a purpose in Kingpin a bit more. Bill Murray, not so much. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, now I'm getting a bit struggling because I'm trying to think like Mr. Razzie a little bit. So yeah. I have, and I was like, is he going to go for Jim Carrey and Cable Guy because that's an easy target or, you know, and I don't want that. Yeah. I have Sean Connery, voiceover in um, Dragonheart. Oh, fuck. Dragonheart's one of those films that like... So I am I am not as ninety six pilled as you, but Dragonheart, like we rented that on VHS from the library a lot. I can I I really like that film as a yes, child. So, still do so, now. Still do. Um, but I was thinking, you know, it's the same year as The Rock, which yeah. is a great Conway performance. So I was thinking, you know, yeah. to knock him down a peg, I, you know, it's an easy target as well. I wouldn't put Dragonheart anywhere I, I, here, but I don't think you're in full Razzie mind hunter mode. The Rock is, of course, a Michael Bay film. I don't think that he that he would knock him down a peg. I think it would be the double norm. He'd be like Sean Connery for The Rock <laughs> and Dragonheart. You're not fucking the prom queen on my watch, Mister Connery. And um, just as a real outsider as well, I have Fabio in Spy Hard. Spy Hard. I was also going to put you know any number of cameos. I was going to put Hulk Hogan in here again as well because I was like. If you're in it and everybody's in it, Mr. Key, I think Weird Al's in it as well. Um, <laughs> I I seen Spy Hard a lot as a kid and then watched like The Naked Guns and better Leslie Nielsen films and afterwards, then realized it wasn't good because up until that point I thought it was really good. I thought oh, this is this is groundbreaking. Austin Powers wishes that you know came first like this. So then there was on my last one, I was thinking what the how he was gonna categorize certain things. Cause yeah. 
I was worried. I was was he going to count Seagal as a lead or uh, a supporting actor in the Glimmer Man? He is a lead. It's him and Keenan Ivory. But I have Seagal in there yeah. as well um, for Glimmer Man, even though it's he is a lead. But I'm trying to think like him. So I've gone with yeah. Stephen Baldwin, Sinbad, Brando, and Seagal. Year one point five. So we have Quentin Tarantino in From Dusk Till Dawn oh, as Richie Gecko. Oh shit. Oh wow. Um Okay. I, I love From Dusk Till Dawn. I think I've spoke to speak about it all the time. I love Rodriguez. Yeah. I adore yeah. the first half of the film. Um it's one of my yeah. favorites. The vampire second half of the film, I still really enjoy, but not as much. It's I wish there was two yeah. films out of it. I, I really do. Um, yeah. I get it. I would say this is probably Tarantino's best acting performance. He plays... Ooh, a, um, I mean, compared to Reservoir Dogs, compared to Pulp, there's a film, I don't know if you've seen, Sukiyaki Western Django. No. Uh, was, uh, he, I think he exactly produced it. This is 2001. It's uh, Takeshi Maiki. Yeah. And he plays Rango or Ringo in it, and he is fucking dreadful. So in comparison, I, I think he plays Richie really well. He plays him creepy. He plays him sleazy he's got his foot fetish in there as well i, I feel yeah. like robert's dunking on him a lot in good jazz <laughs> um so yeah i get it it's not technically a good performance but i don't think it's better than i assume sinbad's missed out or baldwin maybe so like if if he got a nomination and baldwin didn't i'll be furious for the record little nicky is his best performance <laughs> but Steven Seagal is the next nomination, but it's for executive decision okay, okay. as Lieutenant Colonel Austin Travis. I thought you would have escaped executive decision. So I, I said before, I'm surprised Kurt Russell's kind of escaped here because he had a bad year. Executive decision's fine. It's a good enough action film. It is forgettable. Seagal isn't in it much. I think he's gone in the first 20 minutes. It's a nice change for him. He's better in it than he is in The Glimmer Man. So I think that's why yeah. I was thinking The Glimmer Man. It's famously yeah. his only performance he died um, because he refused to ever be killed off. And oh, told, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, obviously, Robert Rodriguez gets that honor. Now um, he's just like the... It's like the Rick Dalton thing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood of like, you know, when the audience sees... <laughs> when the audience sees uh, Jake... What's his name? Bounty Law, Jake, whatever. When they see him getting punched, they really see Rick Dalton getting... Um, Whereas by that point in time, Seagal says ass kick that there's zero credibility in. Exactly. Machete's like, sure, kill me, castrate me, do whatever you want to me. (laughs) Just as long as you pay me. It is a nice change to see him not play the lead and start playing a more villainous role. Because, you know, he he does have a good, like, stature and physique sometimes to play. Like, especially in the 90s, he could have played a lot of good villains. So I disagree with this. If he was going to get a nomination, I would have went for the Glimmer Man. But I don't think he watched the Glimmer Man because it's not popped up once. So. And then we have Burt Reynolds in Striptease as Congressman Dildo. <laughs> and Val Kilmer in The Ghost and the Darkness and The Island of Dr. Moreau as John Henry Patterson and Dr. Montgomery. Okay, so I haven't seen... Was it the first two? The Ghost? It, it, it's, it, 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 it's one. Oh, it's, it's one. The Ghost and the Darkness is one film. Okay. It's one title. Never seen it, Um, so yeah. I can't I can't comment on it. I wouldn't have called... I would have... I mean, it's been a while, but he's the lead, isn't he, in Ireland? Precisely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would have thought, you know, Brando would have got that, or um, what's my boy, Fargo, Teeth, uh, Harry Potter... 
can never pronounce his last name. Um, I would have thought uh, he might have. How- I thought David Thewlis. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I thought he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, He's just you know I think in supporting and like it's him and Brando yeah. were the first two that popped ahead, not Kilmer. So this is just a double dunk, and because Ghost in the Darkness hasn't popped up again, this is just a shit on Kilmer, I guess. For the record, though, Kilmer is not good in the island. It's it's a pretty terrible performance. He could have been in worst actor nominations, and I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. But Mister Razi being a hack. He needs to get his fucking categories right. So I can't remember. I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen Island of Doctor Moreau in probably about ten years as well. It was when I was going through my big Brando phase, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Ooh, yeesh." Um, <laughs> uh, I'd agree. He's one hundred percent the lead. I, in in my recollection, I I would have been okay if Kilmer got missed altogether because I don't necessarily recall him being particularly bad in Moreau. It's almost just like he's the he's just like the stick around which all the insanity orbits. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm like, you could nominate pretty much anyone else would be fair game, but Kilmer, I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's just kind of like he's the straight man to all the insanity. Yeah. So, but little interesting piece of trivia for you. Originally, Kilmer's role was set to be played by our man, Bruno, Bruce Willis, <laughs> but he dropped out due to divorce proceedings against Demi Moore. Oh, I'll see it. So, All pies. Yeah. And then she goes through her divorce proceedings by making strip tea, so yeah. stealing custody <laughs> of their child and he can own that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a strange one. I don't think it would have been any better with Bruno. No, no. Th- there's there's no saving Dr. No, Moreau, no matter who it is. But the winner is, of course, Marlon Brando as the titular Dr. Moreau. And so, yeah, this is like um, his worst ever performance. Uh, arguably. I mean, I think he did stuff afterwards, if I remember. Some of his really yeah. rough roles are really rough. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it is interesting enough to be worth a watch, I would still say, just to show you the rise and fall of an actor almost, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, like I said, it's lazy. It really, really fucking just puts below phoning it in, you know, it's it's bad. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this is the one that he made after his daughter had committed suicide. And it's one of those ones where there are a number of sort of like, mental health factors that make make me inclined to be a little bit more uh sort of lenient when judging it but yeah it's 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 an awful performance and it's notorious for all sorts of affectations and eccentricities mm-hmm. and this was where he pioneered his reading lines through an earpiece technique yes. which um as a, an incredibly lazy actor all in favor um, <laughs> not only did you not only did you revolutionize the art form, but you also revolutionized phoning it in. Yeah. So here's to you, Marlon. And so that brings us on to Worst Supporting Actress. Okay. So struggled a little bit with this one because, again, it's a category. What's he going to put it as? You know, I'm a bit iffy. I think I have, well, so the winner I have, Jennifer Lopez for Jack oh, as a teacher. Yeah. She's honestly not the worst in it she'll put in worse performances in the future as we'll see but um jack's so bad all around and it's so creepy and i can't <laughs> i just i was like yeah and, and it's a good time to put j-lo in it so after that i have kylie minogue which is um again for biodome 
Yeah. And this is two years after Street Fighter, I think. She is worse than Street Fighter. and can't believe she didn't get nominated for that year, 94. Um, but she can tell she's bad. And all everyone in Biodome kind of sucks. But again, name, I was like, she's going to go for that one. I have Halle Berry for executive decision. That's my first executive decision. Um, <laughs> whereas she's, she's not good. She's just not, you know, like... Again, executive decisions very bland. I was like, I could see it. She, she's yeah. I thought she'd have got that one. Uh, I have Rita Wilson for Jingle All the Way. Oh wow! He is actually my least favorite part of Jingle All the Way because yeah, she seems like she's had maybe three glasses of wine too many, and she's just kind of uh, <laughs> you know she's having fun, I guess. But like, I, I, I she... it's Christmas, Kyle. <laughs> People do drink a little bit too much. Um, she really is my least favorite part. Um, and you know, even the stuff with Phil Hartman, I was like, uh, it's uh, Phil Hartman carries that a lot. So I think that's the final one. Uh, there was a few other ones. Again, I was thinking Leslie Mann was my, uh, for the Cable Guy, but I like her in yeah. that. There's a lot. Of, I was. I also have any of the strippers from striptease because I assume some of them are porn stars or strippers as well or no that was i think i think that was the opposite when we were watching it i was like could they not have got just like a genuine like like because these aren't big parts they're like could they not have got someone who knew what they were doing because everyone there's one dance sequence where it has a little bit of juice and i think it's just (laughs) because the camera is moving it's almost like they handed over to like a second unit photographer or you know how like Steven Spielberg supposedly shot the Mustafar jewel for uh, Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> or like Tarantino directing on like Sin City. Yeah, it's like have they brought someone in who knows what they're doing to do this? <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, is is Guy Ritchie or David Fincher directing this one yeah. dance number? Because for the rest of it, it's just people awkwardly standing beside poles and swaying back and forth it's like madonna's ipanema do 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 from so swept away I, I think this is going to be a category i'm going to absolutely lose out on because yeah knowing mr razi i'm gonna guess that almost in all all nominations will be for one film only that haven't been mentioned up until this fucking point because that happens so often it's just worst supporting actress from these five random films i plucked out so yeah i don't i'm not confident about this but i, I i'm kind of hoping at least but Jack's not turned up, so no, I am not confident. You know your Razzies because you're right. One film of, let's see how many, seven? One film of seven has been mentioned before. Exactly. And you're a watch, so it's zero. <laughs> we have Terry Hatcher in Heaven's Prisoners and Two Days in the Valley as Claudette Roque and Betty Fox. Yeah. We have Daryl Hannah in Too Much as Liz Kerner. So she's the other woman to yeah, the, Melanie the other, Griffiths. The other one, okay. the, yeah, the other piece of the bread in the Antonio Banderas sandwich. And then we have Jamie Gertz in Twister okay. as Melissa Reeves. And I see Twister was on the tip of my tongue throughout all my. I, I had it like on the periphery of all my votes because yeah. I was like, but it was. It's a big movie. It's a very big movie and it was very successful as well. And yeah. um, I was like, oh, but I thought just because it was too big and because there's so much, I was like, again, Biodome sweeping, like there's all this yeah. Ed and shit, like all this flipper and yeah, yeah. 
fucking Loch Ness. There's too much shit. It's gonna stay out. But yeah, here we go. Like I haven't, I can't pick anything else. So I'm gonna pick fucking Twister. Our our old friend Faye Dunaway in the chamber, and Dunstan <laughs> checks in as Lee Kale Bowen and monkey. Mrs. Dubrow. <laughs> yeah, Year of the Ape slash Monkey. Um, have Have you seen Dunstan? I have, Jackson? yeah, I have. I don't remember. I, it was one of those rentals again. It's like a six year old um, alongside Ed. Yeah, I, I, I kind of remember it. But I, I can't, I can't quote it. I can't think about it. You know, it's one of those monkey does silly things. It was like, what's yeah. the um the Clint Eastwood one? <laughs> I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of um, <laughs> was it like Baby's Day Out? You remember that film? Oh yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I think it's just I'm seeing it. One of those like um Chris Columbus fucking shitty Hughes Landis films that just goes through the same beats from Home Alone and things. Yeah, no 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 recollection. I've not actually seen Dunstan Checks in. I'm I'm gonna make it sound like I had like a neglected childhood or something, but Dunstan Checks in was another one of my dad and my brother's like bonding things where the two of them watched Dunstan Checks in and Master Disguise all the time. <laughs> and I was never invited to join the club. Or, or perhaps I was by the end, and I was like, no, that's your thing. I don't want to watch your stupid monkey movie anyway. So I, I'm making it seem like my entire childhood was spent being excluded from things when I think that those are the only two. So I have not seen Dunstan Checks In. Okay. And the winner is Melanie Griffith from Mulholland Falls as Catherine Hoover. Oh, okay. I've not seen... I know the film. A gangster film, correct? Yeah. yeah. Neo-noir crime thriller, but everyone's wearing hats. And yeah, it looks like the cover a... looks like Untouchables or something. I, I can see it in my mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've not seen it, uh, so it's no comment. Melanie Griffith, it seems like she's just coasting off Shining Through at this point in time, because mm. like, Melanie Griffith is coming up all the time. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's I, she's not Madonna worthy. No, like, no, she's not great in shining through, but she's nor is she probably as bad as her Razzie track record suggests. And she's not worse than like Kylie Minogue in Biodome. So my point yeah. still stands. I don't know. Pre- pretending to be someone conceivably attracted to Polly Shore is quite a quite a feat. <laughs> um, so uh, playing a scientist let's... as well, though that's like a... <laughs> uh, my, my suspension of disbelief can only go so far. <laughs> <laughs> Worst screen couple. Have you have you gone for that? So I was I was thinking about it. The only one I was going through them, I was like, eh, you know, I was trying to think realistically, like, well, this isn't a very good thing. Uh, Matt LeBlanc and Ed. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay, that's one. That was one. <laughs> so I was like, um, and because Flipper's not here, I had again, I had Paul Hogan and Flipper. I was just thinking animal, oh, yeah. which is kind of what I was yeah, going yeah, with. Yeah, the Ted, theme, Ted yeah, the theme. dancing in the Loch Ness monster. Yeah. So no, I had them, and I was thinking maybe Brando and Kilmer or Brando and his little person. Uh huh. But. Um, no, Ed, Ed's the only one I'm sticking by. Like that's, I'm glad that one's popped up. Okay, so you're you're um you're you're two two for five. Okay, if if Paulie Shore and Baldwin are here, I'm gonna fucking scream, you know, because that's that's an obvious <laughs> one, you know, like <laughs> yeah. So we know that Demi Moore and Burt Reynolds won, yeah. but Baldwin and Shore would hundred percent worse. So uh, Matt LeBlanc and Ed, the mechanical monkey in Ed. Marlon Brando and that darn dwarf, that darn parenthesis, dwarf. Nelson De La Rosa ah. in the island of Dr. Moreau. 
and here's me like dancing around it and trying to be like correct he doesn't give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if the parenthesis in which he is named is mr razzie's own or if he was just nominated as that darn door jesus (laughs) which on the one hand yes he is not good but on the other hand he's almost just like a prop yeah He's just kind of this thing that Brando carries around with him. And then we have Beavis and Butthead in Beavis and Butthead Do America. Eh? Okay. Um, I, I mean, all right, I'm not a big Beavis and Butthead. It's not my favourite, Mike Judge. Uh, I'm not a Beavis and Butthead head head. Uh, I'm not a Beavis and Butthead head. Compared to, like, I'm a fanatic for like, King of the Hill, Idiocracy, um, Office Space are some of my favourites. Uh, Beavis and Butthead's just not always been my thing. I don't get this, though. I don't understand how they're the worst combo. It's just, they're very 90s, aren't they? They're very grunge, and it just strikes me as, like, a boomer cultural raging against the dying of the light is, like, I hate this thing, and how dare they? Especially because it's not popped up since, so if you hated the film so much. He hasn't seen it. I really like it. He hasn't seen it. I don't. I really like this film. I just hated the main two characters' chemistry, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as bad as you, but I'm willing to bet that he hasn't seen it, and he just doesn't like the idea of Beavis and Butthead, and so it's like, yeah, there we go, titular characters. Next one, we have Pamela Anderson's impressive enhancements in Barbed Wire. Well, if they're impressive, how are they're they not, worst? They're not the worst. You should be going on about the striptease lady with the um, overly comically, large... Comically, yeah, yeah. Comically large. Um, inhumanly I mean, large. Yeah, that's um, that's a worse screen combo. Um, yeah, no, that's just stupid. Again, you've got stuff here, though. Like, why did you break your rules for Whoopi Goldberg to get it? But why is Whoopi Goldberg and the animatronic Theodore Rex not a fucking combo, you know? Like, yeah. that's worse. Yeah, no, it's stupid. It's fucking stupid. It is a bad year for fake breasts between <laughs> uh, barbed wire and striptease. It's just, it's very 90s and very, like, yeah. But um, to, to just, it's Mr. Razzie. I don't know why we're surprised at this mm-hmm. point. And then, of course, the winner, Demi Moore and Burt Reynolds from Striptease. Worst director. Okay. What have you got for me? Right, so my winner, I think, is just... And it's it's wrong because I, I expect he's not appeared here. Francis Ford Coppola for Jack. Just mm-hmm. as a career decision. A career killer, almost, as well. I don't know if there's anything between Dracula and this, but, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a bad, bad choice. And it's so... You would never you know you'd never be able to tell he directed it and i think that's such a bad insult to such like a visionary director and such a a famous one of the best you know you you couldn't even tell so he was one of my choices i have john frankenheimer i think that's how you pronounce it for the island of dr moreau again just knowing all the production problems and the mess of a film kind of makes striptease you know so more coherent and pulled together i thought he was a dead set I have, and this one's not going to appear, but I thought perfect Razzie. Uh, Alan Smithy for Hellraiser 4. Um, I'm <laughs> finally going to get an Alan Smithy. Um, again, the director didn't want his name on it. Like one of the last times, I thought that was dead set. I have John Carpenter, which breaks my heart, which is for Escape from LA, which I have a soft spot for, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a hard one to defend at times. If, you know, I. Is again, we're talking about the decline of these great directors, and I have yeah. David Hogan for Barbed Wire, who just I think Barbed Wire 
is going to take it. I have left Biodome's director off. I think this is the one category I have not nominated Biodome because yeah. directing Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin must have been a nightmare. What are you going to do? You've made, you're like, once they've been cast, you're hardly going to be like, hey guys, have you thought about toning... <laughs> thought about the... being totally different, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Have you thought about toning your annoying personalities <laughs> down by like 95%? And, and <laughs> if you can say one thing, like I said, that's nice about Biodome, it's like visually pleasing at least. Yeah, um, yeah. So like, I will, you know, I think the best, the best part of it was probably the direction. So, um, yeah i don't think i'm going to do well here um i think from going over it i think maybe barbed wire maybe island but jack you know putting my cards on jack too much has let me down and i don't think hellraiser 4 is popping up now one for five so bergman won i, I shouldn't say bergman because people think <laughs> ingmar bergman um, andrew bergman ingmar's ingmar's nephew uh andrew bergman won for striptease of course um we have brian levant for jingle all the way jingle all the way's sole nomination yeah. for the director like what <laughs> what like who's gonna and if we speak about him being like a tabloid like narrative grabbing hack who's gonna care no one's like i don't think there are any like brian levant stands no. going around that are gonna be like like that's not gonna if you're going for it all you go sinbad you go arnie well, that's, like and, and I, I i just watched it you go jake lloyd yeah. and you say like this bastard um, <laughs> the thing is i just watched it recently and just in december and um yeah it's still a well direct there's still bits in it are really good the parade yeah. scenes well directed yeah the finale um, yeah there's a lot that's like you know, you, you direct. It's no, I, I strongly disagree with this one. You know, like where, where's daylight and stuff now? This is where I'd be. You know, where's all this other? Where's Jack? Where's all this shit? Yeah, no, strange one. We have a guy who we'll need to look this up at some point and tally up his nominations because I feel like he must have accumulated a fair number without ever actually winning. John Landis for the stupids. Yeah. Uh, Landis, I mean, we're going to have to do like an unofficial Landis special, aren't we, one day? Um, <laughs> the perennial runner-up. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I, said it, you know, if it wasn't for Battlefield Earth and Blues Brothers, we'd have probably taken it or whatever. No, Wild Wild West or whatever's in 99. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Landis is ever going to be a winner for us. Doesn't matter how many kids he kills, he's never going to get here. <laughs> and of course, it wouldn't be an episode of WWF <laughs> without Kyle slipping in a mention to John Landis manslaughter allegedly <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> uh yeah no he's always i've never heard of the stupid so um so i i, yeah. I can't comment on it and then we have stephen frears for mary riley which is like it seems like a kind of left field choice given that like julia roberts is the only other nomination but like ah uh, i don't know it's maybe like a sophisticated pick of like it's just a bit like from what I've seen, it's a bit sort of flat. And maybe we'll have the addendum when I finish watching it and things go insane once I get beyond the fifteen minute mark. Um but sorry to interrupt. I that name rings a bell. Stephen Frears is the British director who did like Philomena, who did like The Queen, oh, I think, did yes. a bunch of like biographical things. And I, yeah. I found it as well. And I was like, Why do I know that name? It's because he was originally gonna do the Die Another Day spin off. Um, Jinx. Oh, that got yeah, for yeah. Casino Royale. Because I yeah. was reading about Die Another Day the other day, um, <laughs> and, and like, the name just I was okay. Yeah, the okay, fair. Then Frankenheimer for Island of Doctor Moreau. 
I don't know enough about the biographical information about taking over um, a movie that was basically set to shoot with Richard Stanley until he mm. left. So yeah, but certainly looking at the end product, no one would say That's this it. movie is. If well you're directed. just watching the film, you well, you like I say, the production thing slants you a little bit, but when you watch it, just blind, it's a mess. So yeah. got got to blame someone. <laughs> Okay, moving on to worst screenplay. What have you got? Right, so here I've just said take your pick. I've got Jack again as my winner because that's such a stupid fucking idea. I've, and then I've just take your pick Ed, definitely. I'm ad- I know striptease is here. I didn't have striptease. Yeah, I was just take your pick Mr. Wrong again, but that's not popped up. I don't have Biodome, but yeah, yeah. just take it. I was like any of the above is all I've got. But the only winner... Yeah, it was Jack, which has not appeared at all. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. He's just like he's kind of phoned it in. Where the worst screenplay nominations are just the worst, the worst films. So it's stupid, written by Brent Forrester, based on characters created by James Marshall and Harry Allard. Island of Doctor Moreau, screenplay by Richard Stanley and Ron Hutchison, based on the novel by H. G. Wells. Ed, screenplay by David Mickey Evans, story by Ken Richards and Janice Sircone. Barb Wire, screenplay by Chuck Farrer and Eileen Chaikin, story by Chaikin based upon the characters appearing in the Dark Horse comic. And then the winner, Scripties, screenplay by Andrew Bergman, based on the book by Carl Hiasson. So, go. nothing to say. We've covered them all at length. Brings us on to Worst New Star. So I this is my final one I have anything for. I have picked um yeah. take your pick of child actor. I have Jake Lloyd. The monkey from Ed. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I have no. Jake, Jake Lloyd from Jingle All the Way. I have yeah. the strip tease kid, Moore's Child. Dumber Willis. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. I have Elijah Wood for Flipper. Oh. I, thought yeah. these are, I don't agree with these, by the way. I'm thinking like Razzie. You're this isn't Razzie Razzie yeah. mode because I was struggling a little bit. Uh, I have the monkey from Ed, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I have Pamela Anderson. Obviously, her breakthrough lead performance in Barbed Wire is pretty much her one and done. Oh, and um, do I have any more? No, that's it. Okay, so we have the new serious Sharon Stone in Diabolique and Last Dance as Nicole Horner and Cindy Liggett. What the fuck are you on? <laughs> <laughs> Could he just not think? Was there like, was there not a child that he could <laughs> think of? Like, it just seems like that's the definition of padding. Yeah, the monkey won't. Huh? The monkey didn't get a win, did it? It didn't get a nom. No, no, no well, monkey. Fucking hell. Then we have friends, cast members turned movie star wannabes: Jennifer Aniston in She's the One, Lisa Kudrow in Mother. Interesting. <laughs> um, uh, Matt LeBlanc in Ed and David Schwimmer in The Paul Bearer. No, Matthew Perry Innocent. Matthew Perry Innocent. <laughs> um, okay, this is just a try and cashing in on the friend. Uh, the Paul Bearer is actually quite a fun movie. Um, I do remember uh-huh. that one. I haven't seen the rest, though. I think I might have seen Mother, the Albert Brooks movie, but I, I do not recall Lisa Kudrow in, <laughs> in, in Mother. And then here we go. We have it. Finally making its appearance, Kyle vindicated Ellen DeGeneres in Mr. Wrong as Martha but, Alston. But she's not in anything else. Like, like, how did she escape any other nomination? Like, what the fuck? Okay, <laughs> I, I, I left off because I didn't I didn't imagine it pop up. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's deserved. It kills her career, but fair. Then we have Beavis and Butthead and Beavis and Butthead Do America. And so let, let's get this clear. 
I do not care for Beavis and Butthead, even as like a five-year-old kid or whatever I would have been. They just, I, I was a very conventional child, whereas like Disney, animation, wholesome, straight lines, sunshine and rainbows. And when I saw Beavis and Butthead, I was like, I do not care for these two crude mm-hmm. malcontents. So I'm not, I'm not coming out to bat for Beavis and Butthead. I have no knowledge of them at all. But Mr. Razzie going for them twice just has massive old man yells of cloud and, energy. Um, I don't know what season of the show would have been out by this point, but they're not new stars. They're uh, no, we've we've discussed this. This is the crossover thing of like even if you're like a even if you're like a TV, if you're Ted Danson making the leap from Cheers to cinema, <laughs> to doesn't okay, matter how. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter how big you are. If this is your first movie, I yeah, think you're Yeah, and they're legit. also not real people. So, Your Honor, Judge Fingerhut, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I move that Beavis and Butthead are not real people. Um, yeah, so like, you give Mike Judge or something, you know, voice actors or something, but yeah, yeah. like I'm not, yeah. I'm not having that one. And I'm not, again, not the biggest defender I um you have to you have to do me a favor though um I don't know if it's this film but I think it is and not the sequel go click on it if it's there for you have a look at the cast list okay so we have Mike Judge Bruce Willis Demi Moore <laughs> there we go but yeah Mike Judge but... could have probably picked up something here but I did I like yeah. I don't like Beavis and Butthead but I don't think it should be here. I can't believe that he missed the opportunity to have Bruno or Demi just to sneak that have, in. Never Worst lead actress, Demi Moore. For Maybe Beavis it was the film that led to their divorce, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, n- I never knew that um, this would be here, so it's not even. it never even came up. Like I said, Hunchback of Notre Dame came up to my head, so the, I was trying to think of the reaction in 96 as well, but no. Yeah, and so the winner, Pamela Anderson and Barb Wire as Barb Wire. That, really. Yep. Nothing more to be said. Which brings us on to the Kyle category. Worst original Which, song. Yeah, I have nothing for it. I didn't even listen to them because I've I, I've ignored the I've not looked at the nominations. So yeah. I've I've let I've let the team down here. Maybe when we're not on such a glorious year for films for me, then I'll, yeah. I'll I'll sneak in or I'll ask you next time, is there worst original songs to but that can also be a giveaway because I assume he's gonna double down or triple down, etc. on other films. Yeah, so we have big, big year for parenthesis. <laughs> Whenever there is love, parenthesis, love theme from Daylight, from Daylight, written by Bruce Roberts and Sam Roman and Frank Stallone. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Don't get my hopes up. Not, no, it's 96. Um, there's no Frank Stallone in 96. <laughs> <laughs> then, welcome to Planet Boom, aka This Booms for You. <laughs> From Barb Wire, written by Tommy Lee. Oh, oh that's, uh, that's nice, I guess. <laughs> like, see, love, love does get you work. It gets you, gets Bruce work. It gets Tommy <laughs> Lee work. Wherever there is love, there is work. <laughs> love theme from daylight. And then, of course, the winner, as we have discussed, Pussy Pussy Pussy, Whose Kitty Cat Excellent. Are You? From Striptease. Oh, which I don't remember as a full-on song, almost more like a jingle, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, I remember when The Cat Dancer was coming out, if that's the song I'm thinking of, that wasn't even a song, yeah. but it uh, yeah. might have been in, in there in between Annie Lennox, I can't remember. We're almost out. We just have one final. We have the Mr. Razzie has been taking some kind of illegal substances <laughs> category and has come up with some weird... I, 
weird one-off al- award it's going to get shelved. I almost to think, you know, what's the most flatulent teen movie of 96? <laughs> yeah. I... I you could you could have done like worst breast implants I, of the year I, or something. It goes like. into my worst new star. I was gonna do like worst animal coworker, and I was thinking you can yeah. flip, you could have put Theodorus Rex or whatever in there as well. You could have put any animal thing in, but I have no idea what this is gonna be. So worst written film grossing over one hundred million dollars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's another screenplay, <laughs> but purely for films that are box okay. office hits. <laughs> so we have A Time to Kill, screenplay by Akiva Goldspin, wow. based on the novel by John Grisham. I have not seen that movie, but it's Matthew McConaughey and a rare Razzie appearance for Frank Underwood himself, Mr. Kevin um, Spacey. That is, what year is this? 96. So this is, after, this is Schumacher, isn't yeah. it? Time to Kill? Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah, it is. Yeah, I have yeah. seen The Time to Kill uh, years and years and years ago. I, it's good, if, from what I remember. I might I might be getting it wrong. I don't remember it being one of the worst written films, but um, okay, whatever. We have Mission Impossible, based on the television series created by Bruce Geller, starred by David Kep and Steve Zalian, screenplay by Kep and Kep Robert fucked. Town. Um, he... I so like I don't know about you. I don't I don't think we've ever really talked about Mission Impossible together, have we? Uh, no, not really. I'll go on and on and on about Bond, but I'll never, I'll never really bring up Mission Impossible. So I really like the first one. I, I hold. Yeah. Them. I I like the more bombastic sequels. I like Wu's, you know, interpretation. I like them all in different ways, but I have yeah. such a special place in the first one. It's so sort of condensed and um, streamlined compared to what they become. I I really yeah. really like it's it's honestly probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite Mission Impossible. So I'm, yeah strong strong disagree here I, I yeah it's a fucking great film yeah it's such a great film that is so much more than it needs to be like particularly when you look at the later entries where i maybe don't love them as much as everyone else does like the brad bird one and like there's certain ones where like i like one two and three and then some of the later yeah, ones that, blend that's into what, each other that's, with it, fallout absolutely. Being i couldn't like, tell you the, i couldn't tell you a ghost protocol from a fallout off the top of my head but the first three have yeah. such a you know unique vision to each of them you know such different directions to them yeah like the whole bringing De Palma in and then like going in like the complete opposite direction with John Woo like I think those films are really interesting and do more than they have to and so yeah I, 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 I like it and certainly if we're gonna just look hone in on the nomination it's not a bad it's written not, film I'm, at I'm all I think 96 um because even when I was looking at like the bigger films from '96, you know, this was the year of Independence Day. That's a that's uh-huh. a worse written film that grossed over a hundred million. There's yeah, I'd even argue like The Rock and stuff. You know, like there's like Mission Impossible. Strong, strong disagreement. Yeah, particularly when you look at the names, like so David Kep, screenwriting legend, and then Robert Towney, of course, another like legendary figure who like my thing's probably like the consulting work he did on like mm-hmm. Mad Men, but yeah, like legendary Hollywood screenwriter that has been like, I don't know, sort of like creating great work for decades and then Mr. Razzie's like, he doesn't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, I I don't know. That brings us on to Independence Day written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. um, That's nice, that's nice. I I don't hate Independence Day. I don't like it though. I don't like Roland Emmerich. I think we spoke about this before. Uh, Yeah, like it's a strange category, though. Um, 
and I don't get it. I still don't really agree with it. It's not a bad film, you know, it, it shouldn't be here. It's like, it's a little bit like, like structurally, I don't think it's a bad film. I agree with you in comparison to Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, I think, is just like a great screenplay that mm -hmm. it would be hard to criticize. Whereas Independence Day, you can maybe fault some pieces of like, you can maybe fault some of the more like cheesy one-liners, mm -hmm. whatever. Or like, I can, I can see you objecting to that more but i don't necessarily think no. it's bad and then we have the hunchback of notre dame animation screenplay by tab murphy irene mecky uh bob sudiker and noni white so i'm a little i'm a little bit happy that at least kind of got half a like shouting you're um, right yeah it, it appearing I, I, yeah. again i was just it was just for moore and for like the critical reaction from it at the time i don't i i haven't seen it since i was a kid it's probably one of my least seen like Disney films, to be honest, it's not a bad written film from what I remember, though. It's again, what's such a strange category that, um, yeah, it's, it doesn't deserve to be here. And then the winner, Twister, written by Michael Crichton and Anne Marie Martin. Uh, I mean, Twister's bollocks, you know, it is, it is nonsense. It's fun, though. So, like, I, yeah, I'd, I don't know what to say about this category because it's such a strange, unique one. Yeah. And I can't imagine there's much films. That grossed over a hundred million outside this top five. Yeah. So like, so that's, that's an extortionate amount of money in '96, and yeah, like, so like, are you just the top five films that grossed over a hundred million? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, like weird again, weird for Mr. Rousey. I don't. Is it just to say, you know, is Mission Impossible now a Rousey nominated film? You know, like, uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, like yeah, this yeah. shit. It's just packing on this stuff. I'd like the Oscars to do something like this, you know. <laughs> um, well, they did it. They did it with the Zack Schneider, like the people's yeah. Oscar cheer, Oscar fan, Oscar fan moment. So yeah, weird one, very weird one. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow us on social media where we are watching worst. And you can email us with any questions, queries, or comments about striptease or the Razzies as a whole, yeah. where we are watching worst films at gmail.com. So, as you will have now heard, we had our Razzies special last week where I uh, lost the you predictions quite spectacularly. Which means next week is our scheduled special, and we are going to be using that to deal with my forfeit. So, yeah. Kyle, would you like to announce what we will be tackling well, next week? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was a bit of a thought, because there's many things to pick. You know, we can always go through whatever yeah. sort of bottom-of-the-barrel films I could think of. Um, it was you holding Blues Brothers 2000 over my head that inspired this choice. Um, <laughs> I, I like Blues Brothers 2000, and I'll sp speak about this in the next episode. Episode, but um i've decided to pick the ladies man which is mm -hmm. from 2000 so not a chance in hell it was ever going to win anything up against battlefield earth it's one of the few snl films i've never seen so it's a it's a forfeit for me as much as it is for you <laughs> um, <laughs> so but you know what you know what i'm looking forward to it. it's something something new i i'm a self-professed snl fan despite being in my 30s and scottish so this is interesting for me this is new territory i think it's i think it's the last snl film before mcgruber as well so oh, um, okay which kills any snl film unfortunately so but anyway i'll get into that i'm really looking forward to it and i, I hope you all enjoy us um because this is your forfeit and um 
let's let's do this let's let's go see what tim meadows led vehicles are going to be like new territory for me and it should be really exciting so yeah join us next week for the ladies man <laughs> see you then see you then